0: Welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast. I'm your host, Fat Tony, and brothers and sisters, you asked for it, you demanded it, you pleaded for it. You've got it—the Will Jackways episode. Welcome, Will. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, thank you for
1: having me on board. Oh, sweet man. How's your summer been? Yeah, it's been good. It's uh, it's been adventurous and sort of just what I felt like. Actually, this is my first full summer since 19. Uh, 19- 99, 2000, so... Jesus um, Christ. 21, years. You haven't had the <laughs> <you haven't years. laughs> summer since the 90s. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I've... I haven't even been in New Zealand uh, in February since since 99, so um, this is the first time I've ever been in New Zealand for that length of time, and it's um it's been nice, yeah. Oh, man. It's been good, bro. And uh, so you guys were road tripping up north? We took Was some time we? out from Monica, from yeah. We rented the house out over the busy period, which we... Quite often do, and we decided to um, check out some areas of New Zealand that we had never been to before, and visit some friends in the North Island who are um, who are based and, and living up there now. So we we started out in Gisborne. Um, we spent like five or six nights in Wainui Beach, catching up with some mates and surfing there. It was really really cool. Gisborne was an area that i had been wanting to go to for a while, and it um it didn't disappoint. It was it was super cool, beautiful weather. Nice waves, just a nice lifestyle up there. Cool people, yeah. Um, and then we spent yeah a couple of weeks on Abby's farm, catching up with everyone there. It was again a really a really nice place to be. A lot of time at the beach, and swimming in the river, and just sort of catching up with the family. Really? Yeah, and then we visited um, some other really good friends, Shelley and Matt, Charlie and Casey, and their base down in Ohakura, just south of New Plymouth. So we stayed nice. there for. Just under a week, and um, sort of surfed, fished, hung out at the beach. Red. Yeah, so we were away for like three weeks, and uh, it was a really nice way to break up the zone. I mean,
0: have you taken Lily and Buddy up
1: north before? Yeah, a few times actually. Oh, yeah, they've been on the plane a bit, and um, naturally with Abby's family living in the Coromandel, we try to get there once a year at least, yeah. just because it's important for them to, and for us to, to, you know, to connect with them and to show them where Abby's roots are and, and to, you know, give them that opportunity of of rural life. And they yeah. love it. Yeah, Lillian's right into the horses and catching up with their cousins. And Bodie, he just likes everything to do with the farm. And it's yeah, really shit. beautiful up there. I, I, I've taken a, you know, taken a real liking to the Coromandel ever since I've... So. Um, you know, befriended Abby and it's a special part of New Zealand yeah.
0: I've read somewhere in manual about a funny incident when you first met <laughs> Abby's family in the Coromandel <laughs> about you and a motorbike or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> um, it was uh, shit I can't even remember exactly when the first time I think I really went up there to, to meet everyone, um, it would have been around the Christmas time and I, yeah I can't remember exactly how the story goes there was a, a two wheeler just parked outside the uh, the ranch slider of the main farmhouse and I think we'd been sort of doing some work or like hanging out or something and, and Abby's dad was like oh take you know take the bike for a spin if you want and and uh, Abby was like yeah no go on take it out and I, I sort of like reluctantly was like oh okay and then someone yelled in the background you know how to ride it day, eh, don't you And I was like, yeah, yeah, confidently, but deep down, sort of like, oh, I can't really remember. And to to, to make a long story short, everyone was sort of standing around, like, weighing in, who's this new guy and how's he going to go? So I just, yeah... I just proceeded to drop the clutch a bit quick and the bike like took off in and in a frantic hurry I sideswiped the side of her sister's uh, stepsister's old Corolla and I took her side mirror out and ended up on a heap in the grass right in front of everyone as, they were having, as we were having a barbecue um fortunately i was okay and uh people they just thought it was hilarious they were like well the new guy's here eh you can't even ride a bike um, <laughs> i had to um, i had to go into town to the next town the next day and um find find a uh replacement wing mirror from the from the wreckers and i had a bit of a bruised ego i, I think the, the ongoing joke still kind of kind of cracks up oh well now you better take the four wheel will stay away from that too <laughs> so yeah no that was that was a good that was probably a good 15 years ago my bike riding skills have gotten a little bit better and I just stick to mountain biking
0: <laughs> yes, <indeed>. <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll um kick this into gear um well uh where are you from and how'd you get into snowboarding
1: uh I, yeah I'm I'm originally from from Wellington I was born in uh Born in Wellington, uh, and I lived in an area called Seaton, which is on the beach, uh, which has now turned into a really nice part of Wellington. I lived there for uh, my first initial part of life, so about f- five or six years. And then um, Dad was a school teacher at the time, and he was offered a job uh, at Maus College in Wanaka. So we packed up the family and moved to Wanaka in 1990, uh, and I've been here... Um, primarily ever since so Wanaka is home now although I was born in Wellington Mm. um and how did I get into snowboarding I skateboarded kind of at the time uh and I did ski a little bit uh with mum and dad you know through through them being winter enthusiasts uh and through skateboarding I think snowboarding just seemed like probably a a little more of a natural progression Mm. Uh, and my older brother Tim he was snowboarding at the time as well so like all um, younger brothers I, I probably just wanted to um, to copy him and I think he said yeah come and come and have a go you got like these nice soft boots and like you can wear these big baggy pants and that and so um, yeah I was drawn to it probably through him and and, uh, and through skateboarding as an influence at the time Ah,
0: oh, sweet um, what was um, what was the boards you were riding then were you renting from the mountains or <coughs> um,
1: you- yeah initially I did yeah I did yeah I got a few rentals from Good Sports, which was one of the sports shops in town, just on a daily basis. And then um, once i have been able to pick it up very lightly, I think the first few days, I, I remember just having a nightmare of a time. As my snowboarders starting out can probably relate to, there was a lot of, a lot of tantrums and just like, I'm not into this. Um, and then after that, like I think I started to develop at least how to turn and, and realise, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Um, and then, so my first actual snowboard I bought off uh, a good friend of mine, Jay Harris, Sweet. who I was uh, going to high school with at the time. I think I was in form three or four. So he was actually getting free snowboards back then, which was right. pretty cool. Which so he which was like
0: the original sponsored grommet snowboarder in New
2: Zealand, right? Yeah,
1: like, yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, there. I mean, there were a lot of ripping. Snowboarders back then, but he was the uh, the the OG Grom for sure he rode for uh, Quicksilver. Um, he actually rode for Nitro. This hmm. was back in like the very early nineties. Oh, yeah. And the board that I got off him was a, a Nitro twin. It was a a one fifteen, I think, or one twenty, I think. And oh, um, yeah, he hooked me up. I think I got some boots as well as like a package. He might have even thrown a pair of uh, he, goggles in as a <laughs> But I remember yeah, we were shooting hoops at at the school gym and i said to him if i drain this halfway, can you not kn- you know will you knock some off and he was <laughs> like i bet you won't get it <laughs> and um yeah sure enough i got it and i enjoyed basketball back then like i like i still do now and uh i think he sold it to me for like 150 bucks instead of 200 for a complete package here yeah, i still have the I still have the whole setup. Actually, it's at Mum and Dad's house in town here. It's um, up in their roof trusses in the garage. Rad. So it's cool. Yeah, it's a real. Like, it's a real. Um,
0: it's cool to have the first ball where it all came from, eh? That's yeah. right, man. Yeah, I didn't think of
1: it. Think of it even at the time, and and even now, it's like looking back. Like I'm glad I've actually held on to that one because oh, I because I, I parted with a lot over the years, and
0: mm, I yeah. wish that I'd held on to my first ball. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wish uh, you had too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's how I got into it pretty much. Yeah. Oh, mean,
0: through um, Jar and...
1: Yeah, to- Jar was kind enough to hook me up with my first board and mm. sort of proper gear. I mean, mum made all of our outerwear and, and sort of foraged around for our sort of hard goods and that. Mm. But my but my gear came from Jar and my influence was, was obviously from, from having an older brother. brother and Tim. But then I said, you know, I got my rentals from, from Good Sports, but... To be pretty honest, like the boardhouse played a, a way bigger role in my upbringing as a snowboarder. Um, I guess I was already sort of mutual friends with a lot of that crew, and, and having an older brother who was more friends with that crew, mm. I was kind of uh, just befriended by association, which was cool. So, were you hanging
0: out at that um, at the mini um, a <laughs> bunch that sort of thing? I
1: did. Yeah, I was sort of just a bit young to be in the crew with it, but I enjoyed skating it. I was. A bit of a kook on the skateboard but um I certainly enjoyed the ramp because it was like no other mini I think I've ever skated even to this day it had like a you know it had like crazy extension and this kind of roll in and it's a, a steep ramp hey? a very steep yeah but it was it was cool like it was if you could skate that you could probably skate anything and mm. I think the crew that hung out there and the people that um that skated it also had an influence on uh you know the scene and, and the upbringing and it was um it was basically a part of the boardhouse, which was just the shop, mm. just in front of it. So um it was cool. It so was really who good. were some of
0: the crew you were looking at as an in influence
1: back then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, far out! Like early, early on, um, early on was like obviously Jar was was right there because he was a good friend at the time, and he was he was pretty ahead of his time as a snowboarder. You know, like he could he had already travelled overseas numerous times and. I wasn't even I was barely a teenager you know mm. um, so I, I held him in pretty high regard because he ripped and also because he was just a nice humble guy you know Yeah. Um, and then all the guys at Cadrona who who I looked up to when I first started would, would all be the crew half of them have probably been on this podcast like the Spy <laughs> and Ewan all that sort of crew like mm. Dill and that they kind of came in slightly later you know yeah. um, when, when the Nationals started to become a bit more apparent and like um, there was a bit more diversity with people coming to Wanaka from different parts in New Zealand, Queenstown, mm. Christchurch, all that. So initially, yeah, like all that, all that sort of old, older school crew from Cadrona that snowboarded and got into it, you know. Right. Yeah, and it was cool. It was really, I was really lucky to be able to have that that so type of upbringing.
0: Were you doing like the um, school days through Mount Aspiring, college up? up the mountain
1: I was ah sort of uh, yes I was I think they still do it now I spoke to someone mm. the other day that said they, they do it a day a week in the winter or something yeah something like that yeah, yeah yeah so yeah no I definitely did I, I was um like I said initially I, I skied for a while with mum and dad being keen skiers um so I was kind of comfortable going up the hill and like being on the snow and that um and then I remember it kind of clicked one day because I was I was right into sport, I was into like every sport as a teenager, I still am now. Um, But I was at rugby practice I think on one cold, miserable Wanaka evening and I remember training or something in the coach at the time. It was I can't remember who exactly it was. The Wanaka was pretty small back then, so it was probably one of my mates' dads or something. Yeah. But he said, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you, we bloody missed you last week, and you know, is, is your heart really in this sort of stuff? And I think I remember getting home and being like, man, I had a crap training session, and I wasn't that into it. And I thought, stuff it, you know, like I can't really. I think he gave me the ultimatum. He was like, you can't come and think you're going to play rugby every weekend and then go snowboarding every other weekend. and so I think then and there I decided, like, shit, maybe I should pursue snowboarding a little bit more. Rugby was, like, was something that I really loved and I still really enjoy supporting it and getting behind yeah. it. But snowboarding for me was probably more of an expression as an individual and wanting to follow a slightly different path than, like, everyone in New Zealand was kind of following. Yeah. So yeah. naturally I tended towards, towards that and um, with that decision... You know, sound, I was sound able like to, the
0: coach almost made the decision for you.
1: <laughs> I think he day. just gave me the ultimatum. I don't remember his exact words at the time, but he was basically saying that, you know, you probably need to choose because yeah. we've got other blokes that are keen to play, you know. Mm. So something to that extent. And, and it was, you know, looking back now, it was probably a good thing that he said that because it's nice to, um, you know, it's not, I don't want to do things half-assed. It's nice to do something and try yeah. and do it properly. Yeah. So Yeah, Yeah. So. Good.
0: Well, you sort of mentioned Wanaka back in the day. Like, can you tell us what Wanaka was like as a teenager in the, nin- of, well, in the
1: nineties? Wow. Sort of yeah. Wow. Well, it's man. It's it's a lot different to what it is now for sure. Like, mm. I've lived here my whole life, so I've seen a lot of changes in this town. All of them are, you know, most of them are for the best. I would say. Mm. Like, you can't really halt progression and, and stop that. But um, yeah, then in the nineties, snowboarding uh, in in Wanaka as a town was. Well, it was pretty quiet to be honest it wasn't a it wasn't a round destination which it's turned itself into now mm. it was um primarily it was humming in the winter and then also in the summer it was a very popular place with the bodies and the the holiday makers so um it used to have very big shoulder seasons you know from like anywhere from sort of march right the way through to july was quiet and then sort of september right the way through to december but it was yeah, it was different it was gravel roads obviously the population was a lot less like mm. the infrastructure in the town was was basically just in that little hub where where like the new world kai and that is now there was no real um development at the time and there was just a you know maybe a couple of police it's, you know, it's it weird
0: was, to see where it is now like yeah like, like drive around now like where the hell have all these Mercedes and Audis <laughs> and all this shit come from? Like, yeah, wow. Well, you know, they've come from in all sorts of places. El- Albert Town and like the whole North Lake thing. It's it's weird, like that yeah. that land there. Like we used to like do donuts and shoot guns off and all sorts of shit. And <laughs> I know and now it's a housing estate. <laughs> oh,
1: I know. Yeah, we used to live on um, Anderson Road, which was the one of the busiest busier roads in Wanaka now, mm-hmm. and just just above our house was a massive pl- uh, pine plantation mm. and that's how the road adjacent to it got called Plantation Road because uh, Anderson Road only went up a certain way and then from there it turned into a massive pine forest which is now where all the sort of old Mitre 10 and all that is and that, w- right. that was the area where we built our huts and made our bike jumps and did all that sort of stuff there's probably a bit of other stuff that got done in there but you know that might have to get saved for another time so um, Mm. yeah it was it was a lot different the town Um, and I don't know like snowboarding I don't know if I'd be the only one to say it but snowboarding back then wasn't um, you know we were sort of looked down on Mm. nobody was really it certainly wasn't professional back then
0: like if you snowboarded you weren't we we weren't cool no (laughs) we certainly (laughs) weren't cool no it was
1: more um snowboarders were looked like uh, anti-establishment you know they were on the dole you know they looked they slept in cars and they kind of like i don't know they were just a, a nuisance to society maybe mm, so like the farmers definitely didn't like snowboarders and like a lot of people in the in Wanaka probably resented snowboarding because effectively they were you know snowboarders were taking the taxpayers money and Having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good on them. Yeah, yeah, smart, smarter
0: guys than they're giving credit for. Smarter crew than they're giving credit for. But yeah, I mean, I remember those vibes back then on the mountain, like, being weird, like, like I said in Ewan's one, like, watching, like, my granddad
1: get out of tune, like, this
0: this is my granddad. Like, this is fucking weird. Yeah,
1: like, yeah, I, I, you know, and, I was um, fixing my woodshed when I listened to Yui's one, and his, his was cool. I could, his... Stories were probably just slightly before my time when he mm. was talking about snowboarders, you know, like, even being allowed on a mountain, like, all that yeah. sort of stuff as well before I was involved in it. But I, I can understand and definitely relate to where he was coming from, like, in the sense of, you know, the skiers and, and just people in general, they didn't, they didn't really like snowboarders, eh? Like, no. we kind of made a mess and, like, I, I don't know if I speak for everyone in saying that, yeah, I didn't think it, all, all snowboarders were sort of anti-establishment or or grungy or all that. No. But, um, I think it was just an association that came with the territory. Our people like um, to
0: stereotype too. They it's do, yeah. In pigeonhole things into certain ways that they see it, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it was weird to see like my dad and granddad be told to take that surfer ship back to the waves. Like, <laughs> you know, like. Really, like yeah, you know, these, these are guys that um, hold down respectable, decent jobs yeah. and do amazing things. Yeah,
1: that's right, man. No, it's sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's it's come a long way for sure. Mm. I can only imagine what the hostility would have been like back then.
0: But your dad was snowboarding back then too, right? Yeah, he was, like was. The, the principal of the <laughs> local
1: school. <laughs> he skied for a long time, so he, uh, like I said earlier, he's pretty comfortable in the mountains. As was mum, actually. They both. Qualified phys ed teachers, so they're um they're pretty handy on the sports field and in any sporting environment. So mm. he they both snowboarded actually for a number of years, and he still snowboards now. Right. They both just bought passes to um to Cadrona just the other day, so they're cool. locked in for another season. So um, but yeah, now nah, he he was a keen surfer back when he was a, uh, a late teenager into his twenties, so he could relate to snowboarding, and I think he he enjoyed that that feeling of being mm. sideways and having soft boots so Man. pretty cool the principal of the high school <laughs> snowboarding in the weekends eh? yeah
0: yeah that's especially especially <laughs> in those times too yeah sort of being like well shut up that's the principal snowboarding so like if i can settle down settle down all you angry haters <laughs> uh, yeah he was never <laughs>
1: he was never really like a you know he would never buy into that or take mm. any type of sides he was very diplomatic you know mm. but like yeah. i said he'd he loved it. So. And so
0: you grew up in one like the youngest of three siblings. Oh, I'm
1: in the middle, actually. Middle? Like, yeah. Oh, I'm right. the middle child. Um, so there's two years between all of us. Eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, which had its advantages and its disadvantages. Um, yeah. No, my older brother and younger sister were both incredibly sporty and both had a a pretty big uh, influence and impact on like my childhood and and growing up. Like awesome. we were pretty um we were pretty sporty as a family. I, I would say just. Every weekend, e- even during the week, there was always some type of swimming practice or like tennis, or someone was getting carded to some type of s- sports type day or something. Mm. So a lot of um, a lot of time, I think, was put in. Especially being coming a- <coughs> being a parent now myself, I realize how much time you know parents have to invest in their kids mm. with, their, with their pursuits. So yeah, um, yeah, no, nah, TJ was very good. He was he was a good uh, tennis player. Uh, he was obviously a good skateboarder, still a really good skateboarder. Mm. And Frances, she was she was a really talented sportswoman. She was um, a really good swimmer and so, a good basketball player. And uh,
0: did she re- represent the Tago and?
1: Yeah, she pl- <laughs> yeah she did. She played. Uh, well, she played netball for the New Zealand under twenty one team. Wow. I think. I'd have to get a clarification from mum on that, so mum, if you're listening, give me a call. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I know she definitely played professional netball for the Rebels, which was the uh, franchise in Otago at the time. Oh, cool. Yeah, and she did that for a number of years um, whilst, she, whilst she was in Dunedin um, studying at Otago University. Abby and I were lucky enough to take in a few of the games at the Edgar Center oh, there, cool. and it was cool, yeah, i you know always watched netball growing up, I guess, with... Saturday sport I'd go play rugby and then we'd turn around and drive to the netball court and like watch someone play one of our friends so it was cool it was really cool watching her play in a professional environment because to me you know it was, she was just my sister playing netball but to 10,000 people in the stadium you know Holy shit, it was man. Francis Jackways oh. doing that pass or doing that shot or something wow. and then you know signing the ball for the girls afterwards and doing all that stuff so yeah she she had a she had a pretty good sporting career yeah unreal yeah it's and cool and
0: she was um she didn't really follow the snowboard path too much. Oh, or? she
1: no, she did actually. She was a really good snowboarder um, right through her school schooling years. She did oh. a, like the Mount aspiring champs and that. And um, she was really good. She um, she competed and I think she competed in some events, whether it was the nationals or not, I can't remember. She was quite a good border cross rider because oh, yeah. she was like myself. She's kind of tall and I don't know maybe athletic a little bit so mm. um i think she was similar like with my rugby she got to that late teenage or early teenage years and was like she was quite a talented basketball netballer yeah. so with basketball being a more of a winter sport she probably focused on that and but uh yeah you know like i snowboarded with her um overseas which was something i was Same. incredibly um you know fond of of doing and, and obviously um at cadrona as well she Th- she had a season's passed I there. think I've
0: seen a picture on Instagram she put up. Yeah. In, in Japan. In Japan, yeah, and yeah. It was like the catch, like, finally got to catch a run with this guy. Man,
1: talk about catching. I was trying to catch her. She, um, yeah, her and her, her and her husband, Craig, did a uh, season in Japan um, mm. a few years ago, and uh, she just hit me up. I was over there for work at the time, and mm. I think I was filming in there, and she said, damn, should we go for a night ride? We're in... We we're in harafu there and i said yep i'll meet you there and we, we ended up right into like last year i think from like Sir. yeah we just lapped i think it was just the two of us she had a, i remember her rocking up she was so so classic just like all heart you know like mm. into it passionate as got her clear lenses on just amping and uh, i think I, i'd probably had a full day already out on the out on the snow but i remember at the time being like mate that was the that was the coolest session ever and like that's so cool yeah something to that, look back you know, on now was, was incredibly special mm. so um so yeah no it was it was cool man I was mm. very, I've been very fortunate in my snowboarding career and, and one of those things to be fortunate is to spend time with family on the snow so mm.
0: I remember we had a real cool day with you guys closing day uh,
1: captains um
0: no it was, was it? um 2.16, so it was the first year I got Doughboy off Ewan. Oh, right. You. Okay. And it was the first time I met Francie properly. Oh,
1: yeah, cool. And
0: um, I think Lil was in the backpack. On oh, Abbey. yeah. <laughs> okay. And, um, and uh, I took a shot of you guys at the top of White Star and I was having a run, and Francie was um, giving me a... a Taking the piss out of me for riding big board oh, uh, She you know, didn't like, even know like, the dope Like, boy. like, like, like oh, oh, trying to make up for something. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lack of personality. You know, and, and it was real cool to meet her and take some. It Lights was so cool to um, take some runs with Jack Ray's tribe. Uh, the whole tribe. Yeah. And, and it was really cool to see that too. Like, I see what you mean with, with that sentence. You just sort of, but, like, one of the most ooh. valuable things of all the things is like the time with the family and shit up there and
1: oh stuff. And, big time yeah because I, I don't know with, with be, being a professional snowboarder for a length of time like primarily all my time on the snow is with you know in mm. a working environment so to be able to go outside of work and, and especially to a place like Cadrona in the spring when it's sort of closing day and that it's like mm. it's about as enjoyable as it gets and yeah. like it's soft and like everyone's into it mum and dad are carving round and yeah I remember that day quite vividly too yeah. it was cool it was nice and warm and
0: but another ass day like that was um, when my grandfather Colin came uh, up yeah, and he was he 74 me. at the time right and we had a run where it was like you, Abby, Colin yep Brent, screen, and myself. Yeah, I remember that too. And I was like, I wish I had a camera on oh. to take this picture. Of <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wish.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's important to document. I forget. I forget mm. that in the stone age. It's nice to have some visual memory.
0: And so now you've got um, a couple of um, groms getting amongst it too. Now.
1: <laughs> yeah, they love the snow. Yeah, so I guess when we when we had our, had our kids, we we sort of just decided unofficially together that we wanted them to. Um, I don't know, just be a reflection of our lifestyle as well. Mm. We weren't about to change what we were doing in life just because we had decided to create and start a family. We were like, I love snowboarding and I love living in this town and and doing everything it has to offer. So I was like to Evs and she shares the same feelings that let's just bring the kids up and in the environment that that we're happy with, and like right. you know like it's fun cutting them up the hill. it's fun cutting them out on the lake and like mm. going on missions because. It's just like same upbringing as what I had, you know. Yeah. I never complained. It was like, it was just the way that it was. And I think it helps develop, you know, like um, personality. It's character mm. building. It's like, it's yeah. cool, I, I don't want them to just plonk them in front of a screen and have that type of upbringing. That's like mm. a yeah. reflection of us. Yeah.
0: So cool. You see them coming through and the. They got their boards, and totally their own personality. Like Lils, chucking out high fives and all sorts. Like, yeah, man. And oh, it's,
1: I know. We're very, we're very blessed. Like, not only to be able to give them that opportunity, but to have, to be able to have places like Cardrona and to have the staff up there, like people like yourself that are so welcoming towards families and and catering towards that type of crowd. It, it creates such a nice environment for people to learn how to ski and snowboard. Yeah. So for them, it's like they're like they're first up in the morning of the night before when we tell them we're going up the mountain they're up ready to go yes, I'm right. like whoa is that knocking on the door and it's Lillian saying where are my goggles dad or something <laughs> so I think it as a parent you know you just have to create that enjoyment for them you've got to make it fun you've got to you've just got to take it day by day you know mm. some days you go up you do 10 laps it's the best day you're in. other days you go up might be you know they might throw some snow around might not be feeling snow it angel day. you drive home yeah, yeah. it's all yeah. part of it eh? so you just there's no pressure from our end and like because what was the
0: um, program lillian was on this season um, she, she was coming up with school or something
1: yeah she didn't actually do what did she do yeah she didn't do any type of weekend program at cardi's but she comes up with her Harvey flat school group mm.
0: and she was like the only snowboarder to start with <laughs> or something
1: I think the story is a little different than that. When oh, right. when the winter came around last year, they send out a form to the parents, advising them that school skiing is going to go ahead, mm-hmm. and just to you know give some type of indiv- indication if as to if your kid is keen or if they're going to participate. And we just replied saying, "Yep, nah, she'll be keen as." But she, you know, it's called school skiing, and we just said, Oh well, she actually snowboards." Mm-hmm. And they the people at the school in highway were like, "Oh, we've never, we've never really." Um, figured out if the kids can, you know, if they're eligible to go up there to snowboard for school snowboarding. You know, they haven't assigned an instructor and, and all that. So we were like, oh, well, she's never really skied, but she can snowboard. So they had to go away to the drawing board and Cadrona, to their credit, were like, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take her on, you know, we can assign an instructor to, to Lillian. And by that time, a couple of other kids in the class have said, oh, well, I actually snowboard a bit too, but. I wasn't sure if we were allowed, so um, it's probably helped move the mindset a little bit because um, New Zealand as a as a uh, generation and that like we we probably just teach our kids to ski when they're five Mm. or even younger, but we just taught her to snowboard because we had old snowboarding gear and like she picked it up pretty sweet. So we were like, oh well, maybe she'll just stay on a snowboard, and Mm. um, it's been awesome, yeah. Like having the school program up there and and like I just mentioned, like that environment that they create is is a real it's something really special and like she really looks forward to going up for school snowboarding
0: it was pretty unreal to see her progression um <laughs> during the season right like um, yeah, yeah so i've seen her a couple of times you know start of the season she was skidding and popping wee ollies Yep. Yeah. and then at the end of the season she's actually initiating like turns turn to turns. yeah like they're not skidded yeah and, and that like, wow
1: i know like, that that took me by surprise too i guess as a parent with getting your kids into sport, I try not to have too higher expectations because I just want them to enjoy it, and mm. they can largely figure it out for themselves. Um, but I think, like I mentioned, like a huge amount of credit goes to the staff at Cadrona. I I don't come from any type of um, instructing background at all, you mm. know. So when people ask me for pointers on the snow or like trying to get your kids technically into snowboarding, like it's not something that I'm fam- that familiar with. So to be a dad and and to watch my own daughter pick up snowboarding um, via the advice of the instructors up there was something I was incredibly proud of and like you say at the start of the season like yeah she could get down the hill but it was tentative and like kind of mm. cautious and then in the spring by the end of the season she was like follow me dad we're going down here and <laughs> i was, couldn't believe it it's uh, it's a bit of a trip to be I honest i wish
0: i could remember the instructor's name so we could give her a shout out but um oh. lillian jackway's instructor you know who you are so like <laughs> mad props uh sophie i think was her name sophie? yeah yeah oh, cool man right obviously high school and getting into snowboarding that sort of thing um how did the sponsorship sort of thing come about
1: um let's think here like when i uh well i guess to be perfectly honest um when i first initially picked up some support it was all through the boardhouse at the time okay so uh like i've told people in the past and like when people have asked me about about sponsorship and that usually sometimes my first answer is you know do they ride for a local shop because Mm. as a as an outlet and having a source like that can create um all sorts of good contacts, and and not only that, but it's also a good place to have uh, network support and just a a local kind of hub on the ground. Mm. So, um, yeah, I was, like I said uh, earlier, friends with a lot of the skateboarding crew from back in the day, and and Rion ended up taking over the, um, I don't know, ownership of the boardhouse initially. So uh, him and Ollie, uh, all that sort of crew, Pete Chaney, like, I can't even remember, sorry, I might be going, Haiti Mayan, Jar, like, Julianne, like, we had a pretty awesome team, TJ, mm. um, and they sort of, I don't know, I guess I was probably just bored on board, because I was TJ's brother and I was a keen snowboarder, mm. I wasn't even very good, so, um, yeah, I think I, I got on the board house and like, you know, I used to go down there and get my boards waxed, and hang out and stuff mm. like that, and um, from there, it's sort of just uh, slowly evolved, I don't I don't think I ever got any type of big hookup or anything initially, but um from from having that boardhouse support back in the in the um sort of late nineties.
0: Sort of almost like a sticker flow team sort of
1: thing. <laughs> there was definitely lots of stickers yeah, that we yeah. Yeah. yeah Some of them were quite memorable. <laughs> um but I think uh it was when I um did my first not my first season, sorry, when I first went overseas, it was part of the um Journey of World Championships. We were selected, there was maybe 10 of us, I think, uh, to go and participate in a junior world. It was like an FIS sort of event over in, um, it was in France actually, in the Trois Vallées, in a place called um, La Menouet, which is in the, yeah, the three valleys it's called. It was an epic ski field, massive. Mm. And I went over there with, you know, like a couple of management support crew and then maybe like eight athletes, I think. Jar was one of them. Katie King, Jacob Barrow, Mitchy Brown was one of them, um, and it was an epic, epic event. We were pretty green, like as a nation and as a as a snowboarder. I was pretty like eyes wide open kind of guy.
0: I think I found a picture of that not too long ago. <laughs> it's probably
1: popped up um, online. Two, is it?
0: Was, was it the 2002 Worlds?
1: Uh, this one would have been the 2000 and. Thousand, I think. Oh right. Now we even before then, bro. Yeah. Holy shit. Because I was, I was, I think, just leaving school. All oh, right. So it would have been two thousand, maybe ninety nine. Oh sweet. Even, I found. Uh, oh sorry. Anyway, yeah.
0: I found a signed picture. Yes. Two thousand two, world's like the the grommet. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, at Cadrona oh, uh, yeah. in the rubbish bin
1: there. Oh, I hope you salvaged it. Oh, I did, I gave yeah. it to Mitch Brown's like, Mitch, <laughs> Mitch, you got to have this, dude. Like, there's
0: no way this has been thrown out.
1: Sick. No, yes. that was the um, that was the year after, actually. Oh, we, right. we also, um, we didn't do that well over in France, but it was a really good learning curve for, for us all because we were wanting that international experience and that. And um, so the next year we were also, most of us selected to do the same event but it was held in an area in uh, northern Italy in the Dolomites, oh, right. Sepada. Yeah, and that was um, probably where that photo was taken.
0: Oh, sweet. So who were your coaches?
1: Um, let's think back then, Stephen Scott. You remember oh, yeah. Steve Scott? Yeah. He was our, um, I, I, it's a long time ago now to try to recall this, but Steve was definitely on board as a coach. Uh, there was Dave um, Suckling. He was our team manager. He was um, an awesome guy, big shout out to him and to dave and steve they were they were pretty cool so keeping us all together Mm. actually yeah so um we were in i've got some classic stories from from that italy trip the french the france one was a bit more of a like blow in blow out type thing because where i was so young and i was like far out i do remember danny cass though there were a lot of professional snowboarders um at the event uh, mm. when we went there, who were probably snowboarding professionally at the time. And, and here were we, New Zealanders, you know, like, I don't know, we we did have a uniform, but we were probably on a slightly lesser tier than those mm. guys. And he had the little studded horns that came out of his, his dragon goggles and he was wearing the massive headphones. Oh, yeah. He rode with, like, big headphones back then. And I remember him being like, wow, that was Danny Cass, like, from the magazines. Mm. And there were so many rippers that I remember just being totally blown away. Mm. Um, and it's funny you mentioned you gave the picture to Mitch when we stayed in Sapada, um, which was the town where we went f- to compete in Italy mm. um, it was very very cool, it was such a cool town I got a photo of Mitch uh, at the local supermarket there we, um, I think it would have been after the event or something and he, um, he bought a bottle of red wine over the counter um, <laughs> and he's got a, I got a photo of him uh, with the checkout lady she would have been an elderly Italian Mm. And Mitch was holding up the wine going through the checkout. And he would have been, I don't know, if I was probably eighteen, he was probably he was probably fourteen, I think. Um, so that probably gives you some indication as to how the um how the event played out. Like we went there and competed, but we also were able to take in the culture. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, that photo was I'll try and I'll try and bring it up. I'll dig it up actually. It's <laughs> it's something that was pretty cool. I, rem- I remember we um, we hit a jump over there, um, Outside of the contest, uh, we were in a in a village which was home to uh, a, a famous Italian snowboarder, um, Gu- uh, Gu- Guacamo Kratler. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was a um, he's still a really good snowboarder. He coaches the the uh, Swiss pipe team now, and um, he had a brother. He's got sorry. He had, him and his brother were both uh, professional snowboarders for Red Bull, but they'd they'd made this jump in their town. And it had been like pushed up with a groomer. It was it was pretty like rough and raw. But we got invited to go there as a as a team. oh Susie Parker was one of our coaches actually as well. Come Mm. to think of it, she kind of took care of some of the girls, and Steve took care of the guys. eh? Oh, yeah. Shout out to Susie too. And um, so we all went outside of it was like a lay day of the Junior Worlds, and we went to Quackamo had invited us to go to. This little resort to check out this jump that he'd built, mm. and we were like, "Oh yeah, sure, like let's go," kind of thing. Not all of us went, and I remember we we rocked up, and it was um, it was quite the jump. It was it was massive. It was like nothing I'd have ever hit, especially back then. It was like a real um, it was a, like a game changer. So he was hitting it. He was getting like towed in by the sled and like towed around and stuff. Like there were cameras there and there everywhere, and we were like pretty starstruck. I think. I ended up hitting it, I hit it with Jar, and I think even Jacob Barrow might have hit it as well.
0: So what was he chucking over the jump, and what were you guys chucking? Yeah, yeah, man, so
1: he he had quite a different, there was quite a difference in ability back then for Mm -hmm. sure. This jump was was not small, like, especially for back then. Like, I'm going to maybe exaggerate here, but it was, it would have been at least... 60 or 70 foot you know Mm. so like and it was a proper buddha like this thing was you couldn't you couldn't come up short on this you had to get your speed right. uh and i remember hitting it with jar i was pretty nervous at the top of the drop in jar had like you know he'd hit a few big ears because he competed in the alley challenge and Mm. then so i probably more or less was just following his lead being like shit just drop from where he does and Mm. we had a sesh on it actually it was a pretty cool sesh um benny bright was actually there hitting it for the aussies Yeah, I'll never, ever forget he did a, uh, what did he do? I think he did a back seven. He was riding a burden seven, which had Mm. the graphic of the crow. It was blue and yellow. And I remember standing on the knuckle when he flew past me and I remember being like, that's crazy, Aussie. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know that we'd end up becoming quite good friends and Mm. he's actually super cool. So um, I think from the memory, I, I think I just did a back three, a front three and I might have done a back five at the end and mm-hmm. Jar was kind of the same. He might have done like a, a front three and like he might have even done a back one or something. Mm-hmm. So And what was the Italian dude? He did oh he was different. sick. He was he, he did back seven, he was doing cab five, switch back one. He was he took the thing to town. It might have been built for him and yeah. and been there at the time. So it was really cool. It was cool of him to invite us there. And I just remember at that point after we hit the jump there was like a real excitement in the new zealand team because like a couple of these kiwi guys had stepped up to this big homemade Buddha over on guacamo's resort you know and it was nothing to even do with the junior worlds but like the photos that came out were like pretty incredible at the time yeah so yeah from that point i was like wow maybe i can snowboard
2: Mm. yeah
0: and did that get the attention of? Because the first time, first sponsor I remember you being on was Burton. Uh, um, that
1: was yeah. That's not entirely true. That's not the first sponsor. Right. <laughs> I actually rode for um for Pulsate for um oh, a, num- right. a number of years uh, yeah. through the Boardhouse. Yeah. No way. It's so Boardhouse hooked up Pulsate. Ah, uh, let's think. I think uh, there was a guy that worked for and His name was uh, Arthur Clapp. Right. He was in charge of the Winter Games, which is just been held recently at Cadrona. so he was in charge or worked for Pulsate, which was a branch off of Telecom basically, Mm. Um, and I would have been late teenage kind of years, Um, I don't remember exactly how the connection came about, I would say it was probably from the New Zealand Nationals Mm. and and getting a result Um, there, I think I won the Nationals journey as border cross, And from there, um, he approached a, a handful of us. Jar was also on it, as was, like, Dill, I think. Quentin mm. was on it. TJ was on Ollie it. Holly Brunton. Holly Brunton. Bell. Potentially, Bell yeah. So it was, a, it was pretty cool. Like, for for being back then and being a teenager, I was writing for a mobile phone company. Mm. I think they paid for my airfares to, to go to the U.S., and. Man, japan Mm. gave me some money and i got an unlimited mobile phone with credit i think so that was sort of like the initial initial start of figuring out professional snowboarding Mm. yeah like the board house was always my primarily main my first and main sponsor Mm. but my first um, financial supporter was was probably pulse yeah
0: was this about the same time i met you when you're working with chris irk at Kind of relishes Ah, <laughs> uh, let's but, think shit now. Because uh, I think the first time we we met was like in the year two thousand.
1: Okay, through Chris Urquhart Two thousand, yeah. So yeah. that would have been eighteen at the time. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I didn't actually end up competing. Sorry, completing my <clears throat> final year of high school. I, I finished sixth form, and I think I just sort of sat down with mum and dad, and I was like, "Look, you go alright at school. Like, do you are you really gonna put your effort in and do this last year?" And I was like, "Oh." I don't know, I'd gotten a taste for the snow and mm. kind of figured out that there might be uh, a slightly different path to follow. So a result of that was I was like, well, I'll go to Polytech for a year and I'll, I'll pick up a chefing and culinary certificate. Mm. And it was cool. Yeah, I, I lived in Cromwell for a bit and then I commuted and did my unit standards and that. It, it was pretty eye-opening. Now looking back, I'd sort of taking that path and as a result of that, I did some work experience in town at relish's cafe which was really cool um i got to snowboard during the day Mm. and at five o'clock i'd go on and and work my sort of six or eight hours Mm. and that's where i met chris
0: how was that working with chris oh he was great mate yeah i I mean he's a funny motherfucker (laughs) yeah chris i'd
1: still see around and Mm. i enjoy his company and catching up with him Mm. it's it's hard to remember exactly like i was pretty young and probably quite naive back then as to Mm. how the world was really working. So I was probably pretty dumb and maybe made some silly, silly choices as all of us will do at some stage. But Chris was cool. He kind of kept things in line and kept things real. He knew that I was a keen snowboarder, so Mm. he was keen to support that. And like, it was just work experience, right? And I was getting paid. So it was, it was primarily just going there, learning how kitchens run services and like, and you know, food hygiene, safety. So it was cool. I, I didn't, pursue that path too much longer outside of that because mm. um a few years later i was able to make just enough of a living off snowboarding so this chefing thing kind of got put to the side but it was a nice way to to be able to have an income and still snowboard
0: Brad, mm, i mean yeah so we've got to give a wee shout out to chris urquhart like uh green light painting green light painting mm. one of the um funnest dudes i think i've ever ridden a snowboard with and I think you and him are like the only dudes I know on snowboards that like actually have pounded out flat landings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm probably paying for that now. Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh. won,
0: I wonder if he is. Man, he he used to like actually search out flat landings. Oh, really? Well, Shit, like, that's rare. What, watching them, watching him do it, man, dude. that's... and he has like this wide stance. Oh,
1: it's he like, did ever wide stance? That's, that's fucking,
0: right. Like he Asking for trouble. He had these psycho transfers at Cadrona in about fuck must be about two thousand and eight. You know where the um where the intermediate jump line is now how it used to be, just that big rolling? Yes, I do remember and he that. He was a goofy footer and he would yeah. fucking book it off that rolling like you know springtime always turned into a dirt patch. That's right, I remember he'd that. Book yeah. it off there, grab melon, bone the fuck out of it and fucking just right out to flat on the trail, just boom. And, and we're watching from the cheerleaf going, well, he's going to explode on the landing. And he fucking would just <laughs> right away from it, it right away. <laughs> like, how the fuck did that just happen? <laughs> so, Chris, you're a psycho, dude. Like, yeah. the best kind of psycho. But
1: holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. Some uh, <laughs> some people are just able to take mm. flat landings and, and others not so much. Um,
0: or... With some of the jobs you've taken, was pretty flat landings, all things, like... Do you actually just be like fuck it? I'll oh, just deal with it. Like,
1: um, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, are you asking about like how yeah, I would like, deal with the impact or? or yeah, the, like because most most at,
0: riders like would look at a thing and be like, oh that landing's a bit flat. I'll just fucking step away from it. Oh right, like, okay. But you've stepped to some fucking mm. big drops with flat landings. Is okay. is that one of those things where you're like, fuck, well I've got cameras pointing at me so I've just gotta do it and deal with it sort
1: of thing or? Uh no, definitely not that. Like I would never openly openly you know, uh, what's the word? Do something just because mm. there's a camera pointed at me. I think I'd probably just more um maybe the way that I'm physically built I, I didn't I I was able to to sort of absorb a little bit more. But yeah. I would never have um I would never look at something and say that's flat, I'm gonna hit it just for the sake of it I probably in my mind always thought that there was enough of a transition there to be able Mm. to catch or to be able to ride out to make something worthwhile like I I I never really I mean maybe when I was a a young snowboarder trying to make a name I might have hit something for it for an image or for something like that but I wouldn't have ever thought that you know, I wouldn't really do do that based on that type of uh, basis. So so.
0: Anything you sort of step to is like you know that it's actually doable. Yeah, wanting to ride of out
1: of it for sure. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, within reason. Yeah. Eh? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been a, you know I've been very lucky. I've had a, quite a long snowboarding career, so it's hard to recall or recount every every drop that I've probably come off. But yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I just no.
0: remember just in the pages of New Zealand Snowboarder, there'd be a couple of images like. <laughs> What? Where's he going? Yeah, there was, I think there was one this. Um, you were riding Vulcan boards at the time, and it was oh, a Kingston, yep. the Kingston heli sleep. Oh, trip. yep, that's right. And yep. there was this method shot where it was just like everyone. I remember everyone looking at that image, being like, "Whoa, <laughs> whoa!" <laughs> like
1: <laughs> classic. I do remember that trip. Yeah, mm. they got hel- heli us up there to where the boys have had their snowmobile set up. Mm. Eh? yeah, I remember that. I think I just, just i I looked at that feature and i thought that looks like it probably lines up you know mm. and i think by the time you've um made the effort to get on top of it you you're uh, you know no one ever talks you into hitting anything when you're out there shooting or, mm. or filming and that so i think you probably weigh up the the risk versus the reward and you can kind of calculate if i land on the top part of it mm. am i going to have a good chance of landing and being okay here
2: mm. and a lot of
1: it was calculated risk for me like later in my career i f- started to figure out and even at an earlier stage, I thought I was always quite good at being able to judge speed for mm. certain features. So I think that comes down to experience, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I remember that cliff, and I remember hitting it, thinking like, "I, I can try and I'll try and land this." You know, mm. um, don't know if I did at the time. Probably didn't. Oh, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> but was, I do remember the day. It was a beautiful mm, day, fresh powder,
0: wicked as shot. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> Thanks, right. you? Yeah. All right,
0: um, so. Uh, we've jumped a bit ahead of ourselves but Sweet. Um, so Paul said, did that lead on to Burton uh,
1: yeah it uh, yeah, uh, wouldn't have initially I think uh, I, I rode for uh, Volcom before oh, I right. got on before I oh, got on to Burton and, oh, so
0: how did the Volcom thing come
1: down uh, the very first and initial connection I made was through Dill because his older brother was, was doing it in New Zealand at the oh, time so. Yeah, so it was very, it was very organic and like uh, sort of grassroots. I, I think I was like I was going to Japan and Du was like, oh, you should you should hit up Seamus, He'll he'll send you some some gear and that. Mm. And I didn't really think of it at the time. I didn't even know Seamus, so um, I think he sent me a couple of jackets and a couple of pairs of pants and some threads and some stickers. And he was mm. like, "Yeah, bro, all good. Whack these on your board and have an awesome trip, type thing." Yeah. And I was like, pretty fresh out of school, like, "Oh, awesome!" Like, I didn't really understand how it'll work. The only thing I was stoked on was having a Volcom sticker on my snowboard. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Sweet, I'll do whatever." Yeah. Um, and then I think I returned from my trip that year, and um, you know, Seamus for whatever reason had had, I think, uh, gotten out of um, distributing Volcom, mm. um, but then Q was writing for them uh, through. Uh, his connections probably in Australia or potentially in Europe. So um, I think at the time we did the a local event, uh, the the Jam or the Burden Open, mm. and uh, he just put the word. And I wasn't even really seeking sponsorship to be honest. Mm. Um, like I would have, I would have loved to be able to make a career out of snowboarding to be and to be sponsored. But I wasn't really actively looking at the time because I didn't, you know, probably didn't think I was good enough and that. So he he reached out to someone and then the email come through and and they said oh cute cute did you mention that you were you know would you like to would you like to get on board or something like to that to that extent and I I think I um I looked at my diary and I was like oh I'll, I'll get back to you kind of thing Oh really No I think I replied right then and there. um it was actually um a friend of ours a mutual friend of ours um Sasha Rizzi, she was uh, a former professional snowboarder from australia yeah so she uh had started to wind down on her career and in in um and as a result of that she started to work for volcom as a as a i don't know as a as a brand and marketing um, right agent so she reached out and said q's put the good word in he says you're a good dude would you be keen to come on board kind of thing and i was like this is cool, yeah, absolutely. I rode for Seamus for a little bit and then the email kind of elaborated a bit more and then she said, right, I will, you know, I'll, I'll draw this contract up and were there any things that you wanted specifically to to talk about or to request? And that's when I was like, shit, my jaw almost dropped to the ground. And I was like, oh, I need some help here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I think, yeah, in the next few weeks, we kind of nutted it out and um, from there I was, um, you know, officially getting paid to snowboard welcome yeah yeah like starting out naturally was it was a nice little contribution mm -hmm. but it was it wasn't like you know we're not talking in the we're not talking heaps of zeros it was just like a cool package from Mm -hmm. there you know it, it obviously increased as my snowboarding profile became a little bigger or i was able to get some results so um yeah it was cool so my my first initial Professional sponsor was was definitely Volcom. After awesome, Pulse 8, yeah,
0: they're still. So was this about two thousand and one, two-ish? Yep, yep, totally. Yeah, that's wow. exactly
1: when it was. So it's been a it's been a twenty year relationship. Twenty mm. years, and they're still supporting you now. <laughs> yeah, I've merged into it. Awesome. Slightly more of an ambassador's role, like. With the with the current state of snowboarding and becoming a, a dad and like mm. obviously starting our business and that I wasn't I wasn't snowboarding at that professional level to to really warrant being paid anymore and mm. I was perfectly comfortable with with that and like I never wanted to to milk out snowboarding and to try and really be that guy that ran it into the ground and myself so I was happy to step back man and to be a part of a brand now as an ambassador is is awesome that's like. It's like everything that I could dream well, of. It's in.
0: so cool that they see the value in what you've done for them Yeah, to still have you wearing their gear. <laughs> yeah, well... That sort of stuff, you know? It, it like, is, it is, yeah.
1: Like, it's. it can be a cruel industry sometimes mm. you know you can get chewed up but, and spat out so
0: they seem to have figured it out even internationally like they've kept like a and jamie lynn and terrier yeah. involved
1: yeah yeah well those guys are, know, those
0: dudes are like the og
1: they're true pioneers yeah I uh, have absolutely nothing on them so mm. it is it is nice to be able to be recognized you know like and mm. i feel like when i rode for them you know i i created some lifelong friendships and, and family connections hey eh? mm-hmm. so like so through that naturally you can't really just cut someone off, you know, because you're a part of that brand and you you helped it develop into what it is today. So Hmm. it is cool. Yeah, I get, I mean, I've been... scent free stuff my whole life but i still get excited when a box shows up you know yeah, yeah. i don't get to get in there first now the kids are in there and <laughs> abby's picking things out and oh this looks good on me and by the time i've actually had the chance to look in the box there's uh there's pretty much bugger all left <laughs> well you, you can have a couple of stickers mate. <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it is cool it's it, it is nice um to mm. be able to be recognized and to to be associated with those brands that have supported you as well, because I, mm. I understand how it works as well. You know, with with being a marketing tool, you're there, you're there to do a job and to help sell this product, eh? No? So mm. it's cool, man.
2: That's
0: yeah. oh, sweet. And so, uh, writing-wise, at this time, who were your influences, both like
1: internationally and New Zealand? Oh wow, man! So many people. Eh? I, I mean, back then, magazines and um, videos were, were sort of like what you what you held out for and you waited on eh? domestically obviously i still enjoyed riding with my brother with jar that type of crew you mm. know because they were close yeah. friends and then the slightly older guys you yeah, obviously ollie burke rion all the boardhouse crew mm. and then above those guys you got like your denny your Dills, yeah. Joel westcott quentin all that sort of crew so mm. even though like in wanaka there was just a smaller kind of crew Sometimes you know, guys would come through on trips or at nationals and that, so yeah. Um, we were lucky, like, I I was very fortunate in that era to be able to have that type of crew to look up to because mm. not only were they amazing snowboarders and, and people and that, but like, they were. You know, people would be pretty quick to humble you back then if you thought that you were going good, you know? Yeah. And I think that maybe is missing a tiny bit nowadays, eh? Like, we're a little bit more precious as a nation, mm. eh? They
0: sort of kept it a bit realer back then. They did,
1: man. Yeah, yeah snowboarding was was a mm. bit more grungy back then. Like, people could get paid, obviously. Mm. But, like... You know, there wasn't like no one was driving around as a professional snowboarder and like a merc or like you know thinking they were the shit. Really, like yeah, so.
0: Pam Bell had a sponsored Subaru, and that was
1: about it. I she think. did actually. fire yeah. you've got a good memory. Um, yeah, I forget, forget about Pam. Yeah, I'd, I didn't get to know her that well. I, I was probably more just mutual friends with her. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, fruition
0: yeah yeah' Cause, um <laughs> speaking of fruition, like your brother Tim was making a go at a pro snowboarding career at this point in time too right
1: yeah yeah, so he um yeah he i mean, yeah, he was getting paid to snowboard i i mm-hmm. think i didn't never really asked him if he was aspiring to be the to be the best, but he was enjoying the lifestyle and and all that it had to offer, and he he was a really good snowboarder. He still is because really he was good dominating
0: the magazine coverage. Yeah, well there yeah, so, yeah, he was good.
1: Know? He was a good, um, you know, he was a good media ambassador for snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Like he knew how to present himself in front of a lens, and like he was good. Like he he did numerous uh, winters away, um, like to the US, Canada, Japan, and that. So he he was um, he had the passion for it for sure, and he enjoyed the lifestyle. Eh? Yeah, and yeah. so
0: were you sort of playing catch up with him for. Uh, chunk of time um i don't know if i would call it catch up even sort of just ride together as homies
1: um a bit of both i think like he was two years he's two years older so he had his kind of good friends that he snowboarded with yeah you know like guys that he either went to school with or like you know flattered with or whatever and then maybe i had sort of like my friends that i was doing the same thing with but because we shared mutual sponsors and obviously we're brothers we would like have that connection and catch up on the mountain more mm. often than not. So yeah. we never really did like seasons together abroad or like we never really flattered like solidly every year mm. in Wanna because we're both different individuals, you know?
0: So you sort of just bump to each other and be like, oh what's up dude? Bit of that Anything? and
1: like, you know, maybe I called him on my pulse and he called me back on his pulse or something. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't FaceTime him back then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no nah, he yeah, he was uh he was following the snowboarding Path mm. two. He did. He did really well overseas. I forget. He he did well in the triple crown. He he he's living in the US for a bit, Mammoth mm. Mountain, and he was. In was burning. he on the
0: Burton international team? I think he was. Yeah. Well, he was
1: most definitely getting support from them uh, with his hard goods and and his connections over there. Mm. I never really asked him financially how he got on with snowboarding, and like you know, it was never really. It was never really a competition back then to see who mm. could make the most money or like see who could really like crack so crack it the best. You more know, like
0: Rad, you're getting you're getting some boards too, so am I, Rad? Kind of so thing, like, yeah. yeah. And
1: like you know, like we there were different avenues to take with pursuing contacts and stuff mm. like that. And he was good; he he knew how to work that, and he was a good he was good at marketing him himself. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was cool looking back. It was it was quite special to be able to share that with your older brother who was also a professional snowboarder at the time because mm. uh he was a, you know he was really good he could he could go and hit a backcountry jump you know and go 80 feet into some powder but then he could like next day he could hit a rail in like downtown mm. and the next day he could do like a harken 10 foot out in the pipe so he S- could really ride Such everything well rounded, yeah right yeah and then like he okay. could just cruise the mountain and like make snowboarding look fun so i think he had the ability to to really to Makes nobody look good, yeah.
0: mm. and um, we sort of talked about this before, and I haven't found a way to segue it in, so I'm just going to throw it in there. Sweet, eh? Uh,
1: Ollie Brunson, Cab
0: seven, first first hit,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a that's a memory that would stick with me for a while. I think I was, uh, would have been late teenage years, uh, New Zealand Nationals at Cadrona. Um, I remember he had the five footies. Black five footies pants with the little stripe down the side, mm. and obviously he was riding the unit, the kuru here, like the one on the wall behind me. Um, and yeah, nationals, nationals would have been ninety seven, maybe ninety six. Mm. Um, and he was, he was a big uh, influence. Sorry, I didn't mention him earlier. Sorry, shout out to Ollie uh, Brunton. He uh, he was good. He was cool because he was tall and like he had that cool kind of like strong snowboarding style, mm. and he was quite ahead of his time. You know, like people were still i was still trying to learn how to even ride a half bike I and mean, he was mm. like linking like proper like world-class runs in it
0: and riding a 165 which was
1: <laughs> no one was riding boards that big in <laughs> oh, yeah, rode one of Paul <laughs> <laughs> yeah no ollie ollie um was a pioneer for sure in a sense with with snowboarding and mm. and what he brought to the table and the especially like with his with his free riding and how he was able to adapt in, in the half pipe. but i think as a grummet, i was just walking up the pipe trying to get a vibe of the nationals i think i don't know if i was competing maybe and i just remember him um he just dropped and into a big cab seven i was like i was riding riding eye view, like standing by the banner when it went in front of me and i just remember thinking like jeepers i was only four foot tall at the time so <laughs> it probably felt like it was triple overhead but it might have only been like five or six feet out which I feel Which is like still a decent he pack.
0: was the, probably the guy going the biggest in pipe comps back then. Like Yeah, well, like, uh,
1: yeah, he certainly had a lot of uh, experience for <clears> sure with, with riding a like pipe. And The
0: pipes were kind of these, what, 10, 12 foot high hand dug ditches or whatever. <laughs> and he's doing like 10 foot high McTwists out of the fucking Yeah,
1: pipe. yeah, you're right, Tony. Yeah. No, he, he did. We, we've had a lot of good half pipe mm-hmm. riders in New Zealand, but taking mm. it back to him he, he was probably the guy that said right I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the bar with the amplitude mm. and, and whoever can try and catch up to me because we had some rippers like you mm. and all those guys were at that same type of level but I think Ollie he just knew how to go big maybe through mm. skateboarding and riding a good transition because
0: I think I was there at that same nationals like as an observer <coughs> like like I sort of I, I think I like I'd entered the slope style. I knew I was never going to place, but it was like cool. I mean, I don't have to go to school and I get to go snowboard. Yeah, man. <laughs> sort of thing. Oh, it's, yeah. It's and different. so I think it was like hanging around and watching the half pipe that day, being like, wow, all yeah. my favorite riders are here. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen the same Cab 7. I've, it's, it's yeah. Very vivid memory of a blue Koro just rotating above my eyesight, being like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was a blue Koro, Sorry. Yeah. yeah
1: not, not a red. Um, yeah, yeah. And no, I was. Back then, like, the Nationals and the half-pipe comps, like, don't get me wrong, they were still amazing events. Mm. But when someone did a Cab 7 six foot out of the pipe, that was, like, that was a groundbreaking kind of thing. Most yeah. people were kind of just ripping, like, doing some cool airs and spinning a little bit. But yeah. Ollie, Ollie Brundon, he, he rode it, like, with some conviction, for sure. Mm. Yep.
0: So how did the Burton thing come about then?
1: Um, Like, do you mean in terms of um, becoming? Sponsored that, that's by when
0: them? most people sort of became aware of Will Jackway as sponsored Snowwater. <laughs> cool. And I'm pretty sure it was that interview, uh, not the interview, the issue, um, 2001, with the lean air cover shot with the orange sky in the background.
1: Oh, yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. That's
0: right. And then all we seen in that <coughs> issue was you riding a Burton Seven. So I guess we all, I guess. Like, associated. I assume that you were riding for Burton or something.
1: I probably had mm. only, yeah, I probably had just got on board, I think. Mm. Um, so how did it come about? Well, Teach was was probably riding for them at the time. Mm. Um, so I think I either got, and Jar was obviously on them as well, as with Dill, Denny, maybe Ollie Burke. A lot, a lot of people rode for them because, mm. you know, back then they, their boards mm. were, like, pretty superior, right? And All the, their hard goods were. Mm, the army. Yummy, yeah, yeah yeah that's right so um I, I don't actually remember how i officially got on board i think i was lucky enough to ride some of their boards through mutual friends or like tim might have been like yeah you can take my custom out for a day but don't wreck it you know and then jar might have been like yeah you can like have a go on my supermodel but bring it straight back yeah um but actually it's a funny story i'm a very a good a good friend of mine, well a good friend of Ollie Burks at the time was doing seasons in Wanaka. His name was um Joe Koffler, he was a uh, Austrian snowboarder from zone, dude. yeah from yeah. the Zillital, yeah. And he he was really good friends with Ollie and that crew and Joe um brought a lot of bird, bird and snowboards to New Zealand because mm. he worked in a shop over there. And we I just befriended him through all those guys and he was a good good rider. He could mm. ride the pipe good and I think he sold me a seven uh back in like 98 it might have been uh, and it was a 62 with the uh, i don't know if it was with the crow it might have been the earlier one it certainly wasn't the one with the skull because i you know would like that board for the collection but uh yeah. so joe sold me that for a few hundred bucks and i remember being like wow this is definitely the nicest snowboard i've ever ridden mm. uh and then i think i might have had an image or two published with that board that i bought from joe uh and then probably the next year i think um I can't remember exactly but Sonny Fisher worked for for Higher Ground, which was the distribution company that distributed their their mm. products and um Sonny and also Guy and probably T J and Dill and that were like, Yeah, you should chuck Will J on the team, like, you know, he's part of the boardhouse and like he's not going anywhere, sort of thing. Mm. I couldn't like I said, I couldn't even really snowboard that good at the time, so so to be able to get given, um, you know, three or four boards a year from Burden and some hard goods like it was a dream come true it was a, yeah. it was a 20 year old like, or a teenager I was, couldn't believe it yeah yeah. so Sunny I think initiated that that first connection mm. and then yeah it was sort of similar to Volcom it ended up turning into um, you know like a nice contribution with travel and a, a contract and that so and um, was
0: it strictly through high ground? Uh, yeah, it was.
1: Yes, it was. And I, I didn't, unfortunately or fortunately, however you'd like to look at it, I wasn't able to continue that relationship just because of Volcom and their continued support because they mm. were making um, outerwear, obviously, at the time. So they were supporting me um, financially with with um, the program that I was on with them, mm. which was riding their outerwear and their streetwear and everything. So uh, I had to just... Um, Say to the boys, I was only only able to ride the hard goods, you know, Mm. which was a little bit of a hindrance on my um, relationship with Burden because their program is primarily head to toe. Yeah. which is mm-hmm. where the guys get their support and that's how you can progress to becoming so a, was more of an internationally more recognized. just being
0: to distributor
1: yeah there startups. was oh, I think the connection was a little stronger than that you know um, like I was getting help to go away and like I had a, a performance based incentive package mm-hmm. and things like that I don't know how much I'm really allowed to disclose but um, yeah like I, I was I never left I never stopped riding for them on any type of bad terms mm. like Volcom were taking quite good care of me at the time so mm. like um, it, it would have been silly for me to, to burn that bridge with them mm. um, and then outside of, of that Volcom in their very initial stages started making their own snowboards mm. so as a result of that I um, started to ride them. Yeah, yeah, I
0: remember seeing the first Vulcan Boys, like, <laughs> I think everyone was like, wow, Vulcan Boys! <laughs> I'm like, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. so I remember seeing you in the car park, walking, walking through, and so many people had hassled you about it, that you were sort of
2: oh, walking yeah. with the base grapple <laughs> facing you, so you could just get back to your car. I'm just trying to get
1: home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I don't know, yeah, I, um, yeah, they started making snowboards through, They've used a few uh, manufacturers over the mm. years. their initial ones were certainly pretty pretty stiff and like quite cool. I think it was either Santa Cruz or don't recall exact S- signal signal sorry it was, was it signal, it? signal right, or, yeah okay excuse me. I thought they went back to signal, but um mm. yeah no it's it's um I was always stoked to have any type of hardware under my feet to be honest eh? yeah. especially like with burden like naturally their gear was was some of the best in the world at the time I couldn't believe it I was. I was so lucky, I was riding Burden Customs, I was getting sent 7s, I think I even got, you know, I got sent some other different types of boards, but for the most part I was just riding their sort of like, their custom, you know, mm. they had a six two custom I liked, and a maybe a seven six one I think, and mm. that was... So I crazy. remember
0: seeing you on the T6 and
1: the battle pitches and stuff. Oh right, Which, that wasn't mine actually, that oh, might right. have been Dill's, yeah, didn't really get into that didn't really get into the t6 i don't know why i rode that on that particular day i think conditions um on that particular day in rick Scranton were incredibly firm mm. and the course was like it was it was pretty gnarly like the course was the sort of course where you wanted to have a, a good board under your feet with sharp mm. edges like yeah it's it can get it can get brutal in the the very not in the far north of yeah, the arctic there so um, yeah, no, I didn't didn't pursue the T6A, but uh, mm. it was nice of Bill to let me take it out.
0: Oh, sweet. And had a good long um, run with Burton. How did the Slash come l- about? Oh, sorry, <coughs> sort of fast forward and said, good run with Burton, and then uh, I think a lot of us actually associate you in the Pitches of New Zealand Snowboarder with the Volcom basis, yep. because there was just so many published. Yeah. Um, how did Slash come about?
1: um so slash so slash came about uh whilst i was in japan actually i um well giggy he's the uh he's the owner of slash right mm. so we we've been friends mutually for a long time through being teammates at volcom mm. he'd done a few trips out to new zealand where i rode, rode with him and we had dinner and connected and that and then vice versa when i was in alberg visiting my friend vernon Dick, and um we yeah like i don't know got along pretty good he's a really nice guy and Um, When I was in Japan, I was riding their Volcom snowboards for a long time. And then suddenly I think they... I realised that their snowboards were never going to be in production for commercial sale. Mm. And they were in such a limited release that to be able to get the boards was turning into a little bit of a hassle you know like Mm. for example i'd take a two or three away and like one might get damaged on a tree the other one might delam and then i don't know the other one whatever so Mm. it was hard to get them when i needed them yeah yeah and and they understood that you know i was i'm six foot one like i'm not gonna ride a 56 like they make for all their team yeah so they were like shit we can't you know we don't really have these six twos just ready to send you Mm. so um as a result of that i think gigi had just started to make slash at the time um mm. he he rode his first one obviously in the uh ultra natural was that what it was called or the 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 very first supernatural su- supernatural something like that yeah. natural supernatural sorry. Yeah. so he rode the the his very first one there and that was at the same year i was in japan um working and filming over there so I think we are just stayed in touch and I think either he mentioned one day so how the you know how the board's going and or like you know what are you up to with them and I said oh man I'm, I'm having a bit of a hard time to be honest we might have chatted over Skype and he said oh well, you know you know that I've started Slash and like you know we're pretty small and, and you know we don't really we're not looking at like world domination or anything just yet we probably can't really help you financially but you know they're there if you want and i'd be on if you want to get one or two under your feet and and i um i was probably pretty taken back because here's my one of my biggest idols in snowboarding kind of asking me if i wanted to ride his snowboard. so um yeah i didn't have a lot of choice i shouldn't say i didn't have a lot of choice because there is there were a lot of really nice snowboarding brands out there mm. that i could have um could have asked for but um i took that as a really nice compliment that he was asking me if i wanted to ride them
0: that's got to be kind of surreal to ride for your favorite rider
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's hard with him eh? because like you know he's at the time he was sort of like a, you know not your boss but he's sending Mm. you these products for you to work for and and then you're like well shit you're kind of like my idol as well so this Mm. has changed the relationship at all (laughs) yeah exactly i'll (laughs) take anything um yeah so yeah now long story short a few days later um you know three or four boards showed up in japan um i rode the uh the straight which was the board that I connected with the most it was like fishy in the nose Ah, sorry yes fishy in the nose a little bit swallow at the tail directional a little bit set back and I was like I was riding a foot of fresh power every day for Mm. two and a half months so I was like this is the board I want to be on yeah so they arrived um I, I shot on them for the next six weeks I was there and with numerous people and updated him sent him some stuff and from there it's sort of like the relationship just uh just bloomed into like shit, right? we'll throw you on the team and we'll go from there. I
0: mean, and that lasted for quite a while.
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it still potentially lasts. It's just a bit of a hard one with the world right now and everything mm. that's going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I rode them. Uh, like, I've got a few in the shed, and the relationship is still there. But he understands that I get sent boards from different people as well, mm. like to either to try or to like to play around on. Mm. Um, it is there. Yeah, I, I think my snowboarding. Um, it, it, it isn't really in the limelight anymore and I'm not really going up there to um, to work, so to speak. Um, so he knows that my snowboarding is more based on um, family now and, and customers so and showing people around. So has
0: this sort of freed you up to like, cool, I can write some other boards and check some <laughs> other shit out, sort of thing? Um,
1: well, I mean, to a degree I was probably able to do that uh, earlier on. But um, yeah, I guess unofficially it probably has, yeah. Mm. And it is nice to be able to have that. Luxury because they're um, like like in your room here. You know there are some amazing boards mm. out there getting crafted eh? and and yeah. I've only sampled like a very small portion of them. main eh? and mm. I so feel
0: privileged to do that. Is there any um, anyone that's been throwing boards at you
1: uh, lately? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not enough people. eh? you keep sending them. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like I mean, he he sends them over, which is really cool. Mm. And I I try not to. I think I don't come from a, a very a greedy background you know i like mm. to stay pretty humble so i don't ask for things unless i'm really gonna use them you know mm. so he sends his and then uh i was very fortunate enough to get sent some canoes as well through another mutual contact oh, yeah. um and i really enjoyed them i um i think they've got an amazing team you know i really enjoyed watching blake paul in the supernatural and i think temple cummins is amazing snowboarder like yeah. all the canoe guys and the lib guys are, are just phenomenal so it's been really cool to try their to try their boards you know mm. Nico obviously was riding for them and had his own model and, and then temple has the billy goat which mm. is another one i really enjoyed riding too so.
0: kind of cool how they keep their ogs on From like they've got like matt cummins jamie lynn and temple <laughs> yeah yeah and you know when was the last time those dudes put a video part out <laughs> and they still yes it's rad that they still keep them on oh it's incredible it's yeah like what we were talking about with you and volcom it's rad that they still see the value in what you've done
1: yeah it is but oh i mean just because you're not producing a video part doesn't mean you're not worthy of uh you know endorsing mm. a brand day eh? like it's a different world now with how you can be marketed and that and i feel like mm. people like temple and that like they're they're like just as worthy if not worthy then than some of these other guys getting flowed stuff, so yeah. I don't get too involved in the politics on all that sort of stuff. But like mm. people who know, they know, you know, Tim Cummins yeah. obviously, like he's born and bred Pacific Northwest, like he pretty much, you know, born with the canoe on his feet. So, yeah, he, he's worthy.
0: And so, obviously, um, you haven't had a summer in a long time, this has led to like traveling with snowboarding, yes. a lot. Um, yep. whereabouts were you going on your travels and,
1: oh, my, myself, yeah, before yeah. this summer yeah yeah like okay. as, as a as a sponsored as a, oh, or, oh man yeah okay. uh,
0: well, i mean it's <laughs> probably a long list
1: but... <laughs> it's very long yeah but it's not a bad thing mm. to have a long list like mm. i uh i don't know like i tell my kids all the time that i don't know that you to get out there and to see the world is mm. something that we're privileged to be able to do and not yeah. something to ever be taken granted um obviously we can't do that right now with the world mm. but uh um, yeah, I've, I've been so lucky. I've been snowboarding in a lot of continents and countries. Uh, I've been to Aussie numerous times, South America, Chile, um, Argentina, Patagonia. And then wow. I've been to um, Japan probably 16 times, I think. Right. Yeah, Korea. Uh, I've been all through Europe, which was really cool. Austria, Germany, France, Italy, mm-hmm. Switzerland. I uh, went to Russia, which was a trip in itself. Oh So, like,
0: well, Russia. See. Let's. Oh, how okay. did this come about? Like, <laughs> Russia. It's, it's not somewhere you associate with snow. Was this for Soshi Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, whether you want to go into <laughs> that oh, right should, now should or we, not, should we go into that now, seeing as I've brought it up? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever you, you're um, It's actually it's, it's good that we brought this up because I had something I wanted to ask you about Soshi That's fine. So you were coaching Shelley Gottlieb in slopestyle,
1: right? I was, yeah, I yeah, I was working with Shelley, but also just, you know, keeping an eye on some of the other girls and helping out where I could.
0: Okay, because who was, it was, what, Shelley Gottlieb, Christy Pryor, yep. Steffi Luxton?
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah.
0: Possum Tour? Yep. So that was the girl squad? That's right, bro. Yeah. And all phenomenal riders, in yeah. the right yeah, now, yeah, yeah, now was, and then. Yep. Um... Ryan McDermott from Monocera. Um <laughs> yeah. What up, Ryan? I know you're listening, Ryan, so hello. <laughs>
2: um,
0: he was telling a story about you being told off while you were coaching Shelly. Oh, yeah. Um, about someone told you, what was he, how did he say it? He's like... Yeah, there was this organiser being like, who the hell's that bloody Kiwi coach that's riding the course without a helmet and doing sevens over the jumps? That's not allowed to happen or something. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, that was something I can remember quite vividly for sure. So I'll rewind it a little bit just to give some perspective to the listeners. Um, I think I was just, I, I can't remember. I was chilling in New Zealand doing something at home. The phone call, the phone rings... It's Shelly, and I'm like, hey, Shelly, how's it going? And She explains to me that she's, you know, finding it hard to get her build up right going into the Olympics and that she's, um, I don't know, she's she's ripping, right? She's up the mountain every day riding mm. slope style, like ripping. But she's, for some reason, saying that um, she's not getting quite the support that she's really wanting with her program at Snow Sports. And okay. So I sympathize and say, "Ah, oh, that's no good. You know, this is your epic chance to go. Like, you're pretty much, you're already qualified. I think she was. I can't remember exactly. Mm. So she just puts me on the spot at the time. I, I, I didn't see it coming from 100 miles away. She was like, can you coach me leading into the Olympics and then if I qualify at the Olympics? And I'm like, holy shit, I dropped my cup of tea. I, like, wouldn't even know what that question, where that came from, eh? I was like, Evie, what do I do here? Um, <laughs> so I think I was like, I'll call you back, shall I? I can see where you're coming from, and I'm bummed that you're not getting that support, which was still awesome support that she was getting. She was just wanting to refine um, the type of angle when, when she was taking it. Long story short, I called her back and said, yep. Um, I'm not a huge coach like I don't even really know how to coach I um, can't instruct but I can like I can assess your snowboarding try and give you some advice we're already quite good friends um, you know like it would be an honour you know like I didn't want to see my friend you know get selected for the Olympics and then not have this support network around her to go and try and compete so mm. it was cool I talked to my sponsors I spoke to Abby and I said a good friend of mine's you know she's trying to go to the olympics so i just she just needs a hand and i'll go over and help her a little bit and they were like dude that's so sick you know like outside of that you can still film and do all your stuff so i got on board which was cool it was quite sort of loose initially but then like everything you know you, it gets a bit more refined um the first trip of the season we go to breckenridge which i'd never been to summit county it's pretty cool mm. that's where i saw ryan as well he's like an absolute god over there he's like a god everywhere very much a god there which is cool
0: he is like the best dude yeah
1: he's so cool so i was really stoked like during that during that time working with shelly i met some incredible people working mm. in the the competitive side of snowboarding which i'd never experienced through my side of snowboarding so Mm. um we went to break it was sick you know we got put up snow sports and that took care of us a really really cool crew like quite structural, and a lot of meetings, breaking down people's habits, there's no budding, how they're doing, all that, which is cool, you know, it's high performance, so, mm. so I enjoyed that side of it, she didn't do that well at tour. she had a good run, might have sat down on something, anyway, the next event uh, we go to is in uh, Quebec City, I came back to New Zealand and flew back, uh, just to correct you, so there's two I ended up getting told off twice whilst, whilst I was working at Australia. Not once, but both of those occasions are similar. One was for wearing no helmet. The other one was for spinning a back seven on the jump. The initial one that you were talking about was for wearing no helmet, and that was the one in Quebec City. So um, one of their uh, qualifying events is a, is a slope-style event uh, in in Stoneham which is a a mountain just based out of Quebec it was cool Mm. all the guys were there everyone's there pretty much trying to get points you know trying to do well Mm. Christy ended up winning the event which was cool so Mm. shout out to her she did really well Um, and when I was working with Shelley uh, I can't remember the exact Scenario, but I do remember at the time they're very structural and strict on everyone wearing their burb, you know, like doing this, you can't do that, got to do this, helmets have got to be there, and I I was taken back like shit. I'm coming from snowboarding, like from this side as an outsider, you know, mm. I'm I'm used to like making up my own rules and being like woohoo, let's yeah. go here. <laughs> so it was quite different for me to to have some old guy at the top of the course just telling everyone what to do, mm. um, I, and I don't believe. I was completely in the wrong, I think we just had a misunderstanding, it might have been the end of the day, I think my back, my helmet was on my backpack, and I didn't initially think I was going through the course, I think I just rode the course along the side, while the competitors hit the jumps and went to the car, and on the very last jump they just did a big train, and I was like, stuff on, I'm hitting the jump with them, yeah. and I just launched off it, I think I just did a front three with like my bag on, and you know my, my uniform maybe at the time, which probably wasn't the best thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, got down. No worries. Got to the van. Everyone was stoked. Christy had won. Whatever. Mm. We had some drinks. And anyway, that night, Tom, Tom comes into the room. He's the he's the manager of all the the Kiwi athletes and like mm. kind of oversees it all. And Tom's he's such a good guy. He, he says, "Oh well, Jay, we've we've had a we've had a complaint. We've had a complaint about you from the from the uh I don't know. He was one of the FIS guys, like the mm. top guys. He's an older guy. I didn't have a problem with him." Mm. Um, and he said, you know, he warned you about your helmet and then you ended up hitting the jump. And I was like, no, like, I go like, I'm sorry, man. Like, this has been such a fun week. I'm I'm sorry to have let you down. Like, I was pretty, I felt pretty bad. And he was like, would you be able to come with me and we'll just go in and see him, you know, and you can just explain, like, what happened. And and I was like, no worries. I was probably a couple of beers deep because we were in the hotel room. Like, you know, um, and then, so anyway, we catch the lift down, whatever, I, I go with Tom, he's just kind of cracking up, being like, man, this is so funny, like, mm-hmm. we got through the whole week, and then, uh, um, anyway, I go and I see the guy, he's he's certainly not stoked, he's like, I, I warned you many times, I'm like, why do you got to do it, you just got to ride it without a helmet, so I kind of pleaded and said, look, I, you know, I'm pretty new to this coaching thing, like, I don't really come from this type of background, with mm-hmm. snowboarding, and like, um I apologise to him, I said, look, I'm, I didn't deliberately mean to upset you. Like I'm I'm respectful of the event and I, I want everyone to do well and I was probably just there as a bit of athlete support and mm. you know, I, I had a quick I had a quick lapse, you know, brain lapse, and I shouldn't have hit the jump. And, you know, we ended up maybe having a beer at the prize giving afterwards, and he was mm. like, you know what, you know, you're, you're Tom's friend, and, like, I never met a Ki- Kiwi I didn't like, so it's all good in that, but mm. at the time, I remember being like, shit, I can't believe I've just been told off for snowboarding. <laughs> um, the other time was a slightly different story. That was, um, that was actually at the Olympics of all places, so just, like, I don't know, just the biggest snowboarding you know high profile event ever mm. so yeah after that uh shelly yeah we 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 traveled around a bunch more we went to one more qualifying event uh, and then we all flew to to sochi in russia as a team you know got laced up everyone's uniformed up it's all like a bit of hype and that it's cool i really enjoyed it it was it was a full-on 10 days um you know a lot of training a lot of like breaking down stuff you know analysts like video stuff it was cool anyway um I was there during the Olympics uh, on the slope style course um, to help in a number of ways. One of my, one of my, uh, what would you say, positives or contributors was I was able to hit the course as a coach. Mm. You know, like I could ride the features with these athletes, whereas a lot of the staff that were working with them, you know, they weren't, weren't able to do that mm. due to ability or whatever. So yeah. I thought that was cool. They got me on board so I could help with the speed, help them, you know, with edging, what whatever they needed, eh? mm. So, um, during the practice, uh, the guys were like, they were feeling it, you know, like you've got to feel it at the Olympics, you got to get in the zone, warm up, like you've got to get your head right, you got to say, you know, I'm here to try and do well, I'm going to spin off these things and rip. So anyway, I think Shelly, I might have been here. I can't remember, it might have even been Possum, I can't remember, but that one of them was like, man, I want to back seven this, this bottom jump. And anyone, for anyone listening or anyone that remembers, like the jumps at that, Olympics weren't small like they were big jumps man yeah one of them was like 80 foot I remember so um I think I just openly said like I always do in life and as a coach at the time I said I'll hit it I'll show I'll show you the line to back seven I'll I'll show you where to wind up and I'll just follow my line and I didn't think anything of it I had my helmet on which was (laughs) a good start um and I did a back seven on the last jump and I think I looked up when I was riding and one of the girls was doing the same thing, so, I don't know, they might not have landed it, but I was like, yes, they've spun, they know the rotation, mm. and anyway, yeah, so I get back to the top of the course, same thing, it's like, fuck, deja vu from Stoneham, like, dude, suits are basically coming over to me, I'm like, what have I done, I've got my helmet on, there's no logos showing, like, I'm, I'm sober, like, I'm read, I'm all good. And they were like, you spun off the kicker. I was like, yeah. Mm. They were like, no coaches, like, no no spinning. <laughs> uh, I remember it was... Was that a rule coaches went on? Oh, I them? can't remember. Right? I, I think, like, coaches could still hit the jumps. Like, mm. there were a lot of people, like, that were there doing what I did, like professional snowboarders, mm. helping athletes on behalf of their country. Eh? So mm. I didn't think anything of it. I just assumed, like... If I'm helping these athletes with their technique, I'm going to show them how to show them line to spin. So this one didn't quite blow up as much as Stoneham. I think I apologized again and I was made to feel like, you know, pretty shit. But I was, in my mind, I didn't realize I was in the wrong. Whereas in Stoneham, I was like, yeah, probably shouldn't have hit that jump without a helmet. Mm. But I remember Shelley and that thinking it was pretty cool. They were like, "Yeah, our coach just got told off by the Olympic committee for <laughs> spinning a back seven in the slalom course." <laughs> I landed it though. I remember at the time being like, "Woo, maybe I should compete today." <laughs> No. oh shit I mean that, so, that's yeah. that's
0: weird to be told off for doing a seven in a style course <laughs> you, you might be the only person ever in the history of snowboarding being told off for doing a seven oh, yeah a and don't course.
1: don't read into it too much I, like I can't recall exactly what was said in that but I just remember at the time being again I was probably quite apologetic because the last thing I wanted to do was distract to distract mm. these athletes from doing what they were there to do, and and yeah. you know, I was pretty remorseful and genuine. I didn't realise I'd literally made a mistake. So um, mm. yeah, it was cool. I mean, I think Steve, a possum, will, one of them ended up doing a back seven in their run. So um, so if it you know it ended up helping them do alright, mm. then then so be it. I'll take flack for that. Yeah, yeah, uh, right, eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get invited back though, to coach. So maybe that had a maybe that had a hindrance on that. <laughs> But I must say, for the record, whilst I'm here, I I really did enjoy the experience. It was cool. Like mm. like I said, I I didn't come from, from any type of high performance instructing or coaching background. So mm. so to be able to be thrust into that and to help not only help my friends with, with some of their lifelong goals with going to the Olympics, but to also be able to now tell my kids and to tell my friends, yeah, I was lucky enough to go as a as a coach mentor and that and it was really mm-hmm. cool. Pretty cool
0: thing, yeah.
1: For, man, for to have in the camp, it was. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I'll forever be grateful for that. So, so thanks. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. So most of us are sort of pretty aware that Japan's been a big part of your travels. Um. How, how did
1: Japan come about as a shred location? Like, who who oh. put you onto there? Man, probably a lot of people, to be honest. I eh? like, um, I'll go through the list here and try and narrow it down. Um. When we were younger, and and it school here we used to get like homestays sometimes that would mm. come and stay for ski training and that and we got a lot of japanese people that would come through because we had a spare room and they contribute to the rent and all that and like i don't know i think initially there was always a, an interest and a connection with them they're like kiwis they're like mm. they're very cool and like under the radar calm kind of mm. uh and then as as i got a little bit older some of my other friends were going there to snowboard um an old snowboarding coach, um, Brent Holden, who was also a good oh, friend of mine, he was else was also going over there um, to snowboard, and he was working as a snowboarding coach, as instructor coach. So uh, I flirted with him one year in Albert Town. We got a we got a little spot there, and he was, you know, we were coaching up Cadrona, like what Ewan was saying the other day on his one. He was in charge of the the half plate camps, and he got Kiwi coaches on board that could speak Japanese, and Brent said to me like yeah Yo, you got to come over man the place is cool like it's pretty untouched and like lots of powder so mm. um so I said bugger it and I worked hard that summer and um I decided to go we did have some other friends that came like Shin Biajima who's also a good friend he wasn't from Hokkaido but he was also a good impact and then we also had another guy Yato who was a, a snowboarder fra- from Hokkaido that wrote for Volcom at the time he stayed at our family home and and they also would also say like, hey, you gotta come. It's pretty sick. Like, we can help." And blah blah blah. So um, so I went. Yeah, the first year I went there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago now. I don't have mm. huge recollection. I do remember that was the year I got the jacket and stuff off Seamus. Oh, and so. the pants and that. And it was quite. I was pretty underprepared to be brutally honest. Like, I went there, quite green outside of school and polytech. Thinking Mm. like, yeah, it'll be like California, you know, I'll go ride and be fun and that. Mm. And I got there and I was like, wow, it snows a lot. Like, it snows a lot here every day. Like, I didn't even have a neck warmer, I don't think. And like, had some pair of old scratch goggles. And um, I did the season, uh, not the season, a couple of months maybe, I think. Um, And I think at the time, you know, like, I was pretty young. And, yeah, like, it's hard to, like, look back now on because... I don't know, maybe I, I probably snaked a few lifts and, like, maybe scored a few free meals, like, as you mm-hmm. do when you're a bit of a grummy back then. Yeah. But, like, it kind of turns you into who you are and you cut your teeth doing what you do. So mm. um, the obsession kind of just came from the love of the powder, I think, and anyone who, who's been or can can certainly attest to the fact that it snows a lot there and the snow they get is is incredibly dry. And, like, it's quite a surreal feeling riding it, you know? Like, you when you do when you do some time over there riding those those mountains it's 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 quite an incredible feeling so mm. i think that was the pull every year and I, and I don't know with being a kiwi we we build our connections where we where we you know we travel where we have our connections mm. eh? and i was fortunate enough to make some good ones over there and, and they that helped help offset the cost
0: 16 years of going there <laughs> yeah i
1: know it was yeah it is about that 16 mm. times and
0: so I remember, like, my my first time I went there, like, you and Abby were stepping up, and, and whoever else was with you in the crib, I just remember you and Abby, like, stepping to um, a lot of urban stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah now, that's
0: right. Now, the urban stuff, did that just come about from, like, riding snow park and Cardi's Park sort of thing? Like, oh, it's there, let's just do it? Or was it more calculated than that? <laughs>
1: Probably a bit of both, I think. Like, I think uh, with snowboarding and, like, like, life in general, it's nice to have some variety here, you know? Mm. Like, if you do the same thing over and over, it just becomes repetitive and a little bit mundane. And like I said, I skateboarded a little bit in my earlier years, so I enjoyed the f- mm. fact that you could, like, ride a rail or, like, slide something. Like, it wasn't always about just riding powder and, like, trying to catch an air or something. Yeah. Um, so I think, and the videos, like, naturally, like, watching all the videos played a massive role in, in my influence as a snowboarder coming up, like all the all the videos. There's so many to name. I can't even really start. But like yeah. a lot of them had good urban stuff in it. Some of it wasn't like gnarly. It just made you be like, Oh man, I wanna go and hit a picnic table down on the lake or like I wanna have a down bar in my backyard. Something yeah. like that, you know. So it starts with that and then when you go to these places you're like, well I don't know where anything is, but there's there's a stair set with a rail on it there or like there's a, there's a something over there. So and I think all, you just open your mind up a bit more to what you want to ride.
0: Also, there's something that's not accessible in New Zealand with a no. truck oh, and snow and stuff. Then that's
1: and that's why like, it's so cool. As soon as you go abroad, you instantly become uh you know like you don't have any choice but to snowboard something urban because you you know your whole house is surrounded by snow mm. even when you get back from a day riding powder you're like half the time you find yourself playing in the backyard and like hitting something random like even a trash can or like mm. ollieing over a sign or something becomes enjoyable because it's just a new uh, approach to to what you've got
0: that was the best thing when i lived in wasa's well in japan yeah it's like I went for a walk over in the hill behind one day. I was like, oh, my God, there's a pillow line and there's a, yeah. there's a like, slashy area and I can jump there. Yeah. And then before I went to work, I'd just go and play up there Quick instead see. of go to the mountain. Yeah, cool, one. It was awesome.
1: Oh, and I used to do that, and that's, and that's probably what created my... Um, passion and love mm. for like exploring in, in the backcountry you know because mm. you start out by like looking at something in your backyard yeah. and then you take that to like looking at something off the ski field and then you take that to looking at something off the road and then next thing you know you're like deep in the backcountry like oh this mm. is the same principle but it's just in a slightly different environment
0: so for you was freestyle snowboarding in the backcountry natural progression of Park and halfpipe riding. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say it was a natural progression because I was certainly not that natural at it. But it was a progression for sure. Yeah. Like coming from New Zealand, you you learn to ride what we have here, you know, mm. like you, our backyard and up cadrona TC. Like it's amazing, you know. Mm. But as soon as you go abroad, you're like, wow, different terrain, way more snow, bit steeper, you know. So you're like, all oh, right, the mindset kind of adjusts a little bit, and you take your skills that you've developed you know like ripping the hill here mm-hmm. and you try and adapt to like when it snows a little, eh? Mm-hmm. and that's the challenge and it's also the fun part so i don't know if i like consciously said this is this is how i'm gonna take my snowboarding career but i think you just realize you you think to yourself like right well how's it going to be fun you know and you're like yeah. oh, if i can adapt to doing this there mm-hmm. then that then that will feel good and and i think that's probably what we all strive for sweet yeah
0: Oh man, well we mentioned snow park, and snowpark's snow park's a big part of New Zealand freestyle snowboarding, um, but
1: specifically, um, what the hell was up with the bridge jump? <laughs> the bridge jump, yeah, yeah it's funny eh, the snow park, I rode there for 10 years, mm. did some amazing things there, but I'll always be remembered for the dumbass that jumped off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, no that was, yeah that was pretty cool, like a lot of things in my life, like I have to reflect on them and think like that was a that was an honor to be able to do that so Mm -hmm. uh it was brought about by frank i think frank wells who was um cutting the half pipe at the time and and was also a a a part of snow park for Mm -hmm. for that period so frank uh had said with sam lee the boss of the snow park also another good friend hope he's listening they had said we're going to build this feature um would you be interested i don't know how i got plucked out or like maybe they were like who's 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 dumb and who who might be keen and they were like well jay will do it <laughs> he's had a few beers <laughs> um so i i took that as a as an honor and said yeah i'll jump off it and they were like jake's gonna do it too just you too and i was like awesome yeah and no, i'm down with jake he's he rips you know like so i don't exactly remember how the build-up occurred but i certainly remember it Quite clearly, the the deck at the Woolshed, which was the, which was the restaurant bar slash hangout zone at the snow park, was totally packed. It was a beautiful afternoon. We'd ridden the whole day, uh, and uh, the whole day I'd just been trying not to look at this ten foot high whipping transition sitting under a bloody forty foot drop off the bridge. Everyone was looking at it. It was roped off. People knew exactly what was probably going to happen. But mm. I just rode, you know, like we were riding with our friends, like whatever. Mm. And then at the end of the day, you know, like they wanted to wait till the light was good because Snow Park infamously got a really good light at the end of the day because mm. of the way it's situated It points west. So the so the sun comes in beautifully. And <clears throat> yeah, I remember, um I think I only hit it twice, maybe three times. I can't remember. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a big deal, to be honest. Like I jumped off a lot of stuff in my time and I can't say I've ever... Sort of gorilla or acid dropped off a bridge mm. before, so that was kind of new. Um, and it's not something that I would really do, I don't know, out of enjoyment. It was probably more like. Here's an opportunity to do something that I could maybe never do again. Mm. I'll do it. Try not to get hurt and try not to look like a dick. So I yeah. kind of achieved that, which was cool. It's and like uh, someone
0: else was strapping your bindings <laughs> in. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, we with the setup, like uh, the the banister of the bridge is only a couple of hundred mils right, wide, right? So it's yeah. like half the width of a snowboard. Um, and I remember standing up on it, being like, "Shit, this isn't. This is a sweet drop. But how do I strap it?" Yeah. So I think there was either a picnic table in the background that I got. I can't actually remember that part to be honest, but I do remember strapping in with with help, um, mm. and then from there I was standing on that bridge, basically like a deer in the headlights, frozen. Everyone scampered off it, and people on the on the deck of the Woolshed just like froze there. I could have heard a pin drop. I um, know. And uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I think I just got the okay, and yeah, it's, that that one was tough because the transition. It, ultimately it didn't quite line up with the length of the drop you know mm. it should have been a little bit higher to to increase the chances of of making it like a proper proper shot but like i think i hit it and i don't know like i didn't really land it initially that clean but i think i landed it enough to kind of not look like an idiot and then i might have gone back again did it again and sort of just rode out with enough of a Right out to be like alright that'll do sort of thing yeah yeah.
0: I, I remember um, a guy I worked with um, Tim poached a footage of it he was up there with his camera and filmed it cool and I'd just come back so that was 07 I'd just come back from my first knee blowout injury Oh. so I was real sensitive about any impact oh. and he he, Sorry, showed me, Tony. No, no, no. he showed me that video like <laughs> Holy shit! Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe someone just did that.
1: <laughs> You're like, it's my dumb friend. <laughs> yeah. oh. But um, it ended up on the cover of a mag, a couple of mags maybe, and it mm. went all around the world that thing. And I've got a picture of it in my shed at home, and like a lot of people were pretty hyped on it. Mm. To me, I, I could care less for it to be honest. I did so many amazing things at Snow Park that trumped Which, that memory. So oh, well, it was more for like.
0: What's some of those things that... Because uh, I remember um, you and Tim and Dil took uh, the Burton kicker.
1: Yep, that was stuff. definitely one of them. That was, like, back in the day, yeah. So um, every year I think Burton would send some of their athletes out here. I mean, they've been sending athletes to New Zealand for a very long time. Like, terio has been coming here since, like, the early 90s in heliing, And mm-hmm. as you heard from, like, I don't know, Ewan and, like, Heige's, you know, they, they touched on all those pros yeah. coming here and that. And so, um... Yeah, they came and they uh, they were shooting product and like I guess they want to feature with our rubber to not only excel but also show what they're, show what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So um, they built a jump for us back then. It wasn't specifically, well, I guess it was specifically for us. It was a private jump um, and it was decent size. It was probably 100 feet I think from memory um, and I remember the snow park being quite you know it's not exactly steep so we had to bomb probably three quarters of the mountain to get speed for it
0: (laughs) through the old box line or something it was yeah you're just strapping at the top of the chair that's not steep at all
1: yeah Yeah. no we in my to my in my defense sorry like i didn't hit it first and i i didn't figure out the speed Mm -hmm. leanne pelosi's brother actually hit it first he was a groomer driver at the time up there he just wanted to hit it for fun so he hit it first (laughs) like just (laughs) hoping for the best And then all the pros Uh, were like, all right, well, the speed's from there, you know. Um, So that was definitely one of them. Yeah, I hit that with Dill, TJ, and I think Jar hit it as well. We were all lucky enough to get, like, invited to hit it. I did a few tricks on that, and, like, I really enjoyed the quarter pipe there, like, as a lot of people did that road at Snow Park. Quarter pipes, you know, they're pretty rare these days on any Mm. resort, so to be able to hit one, especially one like that that got the sun, was was really nice. And, um, like, I worked up there... From my early days as a mm. when i was starting out and uh, i probably became better friends and like met abby there effectively mm. which was cool um and then like obviously travis was there sean was there like so many people came there and it created such a an amazing um hub for new zealand snowboarding it really put the us on there. it was
0: pretty surreal to ride the lift and be like no way that's travis rice yeah and but you could ride, you like, ride the with, with him them. you and know
1: he wasn't like riding around with an entourage yeah trying to like ask for special treatment he was hanging out with the locals and like.
0: that's what was so cool about it, yeah, like, it was, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah. i mean just like wow like he's just one you know he's this big dude and here he is just one of the homies
1: mm. <laughs> yeah he 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 brought some really nice mm. vibes to it so many people did so, I, I have to give a mention to jeff patterson as well i don't know if you remember jeff but mm. he's a really good canadian friend of ours uh, him and abby are quite good friends too and jeff like he put his heart and soul into the place like with sam you know he mm. he helped kind of come up from its roots and like I know he's hopefully he's listening and he's just such a good guy and I know that like so many people put their time in at that place to make it what it was Mm. and that's something that's um should never go overlooked like people put you know people put so much time into making that place special and I think Mm. that's something that we can all um hold pretty close to our Mm. chest because
0: you were a team writer for them yeah did you sort of sort of peace out from Cadrona to go to snow snow park. Oh, uh, I, no, I
1: don't no I wouldn't have said that I pieced out. I wasn't riding for Cadrona at the time. Oh, right. I rode at Cadrona because that was our home mountain, you know, and mm. they were they were always amazing and very accommodating to us as a, a family and also as snowboarders. Mm. Um but Sam was a good friend, you know, like I went to school with him and like man, I could I could sit here for hours and talk about the Lee family like they, you know, without John Lee, I would have never taken any of this path in my life you know yeah. with like without what he's created without his passion with like with everything that he's done and then also then passing that down to Sam you know with mm. what he's done at the snow park like those guys should be so proud of what they've created mm. you know even Sam when I see him now like he's so humble and like he's such a nice guy like it almost feels like a dream that we were able to have that life up there yeah. and like that's something that I'll cherish forever that was like, you know, that helped put my snowboarding and a lot of other snowboarding snowboarders from New Zealand on an international um, podium. And Sorry, Spotlight, yeah.
0: Did that help because there was a
1: lot of internationals there so you suddenly... Yeah, like, a bit of hype. Of, of, like, oh, those dudes are every- the risk level, Yeah, so, you know. I think that, definitely that. Like, wherever mm. you go in the world and you ride with people stronger than you, it's going to push you to ride stronger. Mm. But I think primarily because of what it was and what they created and the fact that you know it's in the off season you know Snow Park was the place to be from July to September whereas mm. everywhere else in the world is, is in the summer pretty much mm. sorry apart from Aussie so um, Snow Park was like looked at as the place to go and train you know it was like the new the new new yeah because
0: yeah. so it's not some now like, um, like I get kids at work that don't actually and legitimately don't know what snow park is for legit reasons because it's actually been gone for quite a while <laughs> yeah 2010
1: and wasn't it? it was when it shut 2012 I think oh sorry it okay. was the last one anyway okay sorry but, but get this like
0: there. Like the last winter the winter before, one of the one of the kids at work was actually like, wouldn't it be cool to have, like, a freestyle resort? It's like, dude, we actually had one.
1: Over that valley <laughs> yeah. there, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. it's like like, like saying, like, punk was cool, it's a shame you missed it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's funny, like, for people that were able to enjoy it and, like, be a part of it, you know, like, I feel bad. Snow Park was, was something that we, we had and, like, we all shared, like, it mm. was... It was like a 25 minute ride from our doorstep. We would leave at like whatever time and we'd be up there snowboarding well, like. Uh oh, it, it, it I mean it was a park primarily, mm, but it did have some really cool creative mm, aspects I, to it.
0: And I thought that step up was wicked.
1: Yeah, pretty hard yeah. to go past that. You touched mm. on that with Julianne, was it? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just listened to it the other day, but yeah, mm. no, definitely. Same type of thing as the quarter, you know. You had to you had to mm. bomb half the run for it. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a safety guarantee. Like, mm. you could come up short and be fine, but 90% of the time, you'd land in the sweet spot and be oh, like,
0: how's the best jump? It felt amazing. Like, oh, yeah. it's the best backstop on it. Yeah, oh, a that. lot of back then, ones went down yeah. on that. I'd <laughs> okay. say all back ones, probably. Mm. And then the first year, how's it? They had the T-bar, and fuck, you put in an
1: eight-hour day there. It was a fucking full session. Yeah, know about that, but, eh? Yeah, yeah, your legs are pretty tired. Oh, I know, yeah. It was, yeah, I, mm. it makes me feel a little bit like sentimental even thinking about the snow park because Mm. i know how much work went into that place and how much everyone really put into it so i guess like anything in life it was it's just a a really special time that we could all cherish and that's Mm. something that we need to remember and be grateful
0: been a trip like researching this podcast going back through my manual new zealand snowboarders and finding oh yeah all those snow park images and stuff oh "Oh, wow that it was a thing. Mm. It did happen. I'm not tripping. It
1: existed. Like, yeah. yeah. I know, man. I know. Yeah, I hope... Someone was talking the other day about um, whether it's possible or not, but there was talk of doing, like, a having a reunion for oh, everyone right. that was a part of it, or, like, people that just want to come together that could share their stories, and, like, mm. and I think that would be really cool, like, show some, show some photos, cut some videos, like, mm. whatever, some speeches, and I think that was i think that would be something that would be really cool to do because i know i'm not the only one that that feels strongly about the place and that mm. that was a very um cool time well, to, it's, to it's be funny
0: there. like at the time i was tired of seeing the snow logo around wanaka's like oh
1: it's uh, like, it goes. Yeah. but now when i see it i'm like no way <laughs> 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 i've still got some of their um some of their apparel that mm. i haven't even pulled out of the shed because i'm like man this t-shirt is epic i'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping this all like the sweatshirt. Mm. I ended up giving so much of it away because when I would travel overseas, people would be like, "No way, sick yeah. hoodie," and I'd be like, "You can have it." Yeah, yeah, stoke you like it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pull a t-shirt out soon. You don't really see it much around anymore. No, no stickers. No,
0: no, that's, no. It's um. Yeah, every now and then it's like, you know, get that nostalgia sideways cock in my head
1: like, oh, oh red. I know, yeah. Mm. I, oh, I hope, yeah, I hope we can, I hope we can all connect over it mm. soon. And, I absolutely
0: yeah. loved riding the, the first two seasons, the 03 and 04 were like my favourite snow park seasons. Right, 03.
1: Right. Bro, that would have been in sort of their initial stages. I think 03 was the first one where they're open to public.
0: Right, okay. And, um, and yeah, like, I'd just go out there with like Dion Newport and those dudes and that was fucking sick. Man. I know, man. Yeah, mm. like
1: that. You know, to think that they started with like a couple of porta sheds, some hay bales, and some like homemade rails, mm. and then to think that what what they ended up, you know, merging into with these apartments, a bridge, like a world class super pipe, mm. I th- still think it's probably the best half pipe I've ever snowboarded in New Zealand. Oh, like, that's amazing. Like Cadrona's half pipes are incredible, but for some reason that half pipe, it had it, it had some type of like. I don't know, it, like, wooed you in there. It was pretty incredible.
0: I loved it as a regular rider because I had a a backside wall that was that, facing the sun. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of people liked that mm. aspect because you could, like, ride up the back wall and not, not feel intimidated. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, yeah. was awesome, man. Yeah. Um,
0: so we mentioned Jeff Patterson was Canadian, and so you're actually based in Whistler for a good chunk of your snowboard season too, right? Or, um, around those parts. Yeah,
1: kind of thing. Yeah, I never really lived in Whistler because uh, it's... You know it was pretty premium to kind of try and base up there, mm. so I stayed in Squamish for a little while, which I really enjoyed. Like, um, I got the opportunity to go there and film quite a bit, and I mm. ended up owning a vehicle, like a, a truck and a snowmobile, there, which was like the main source of like mm. transportation to go and film, which was cool. Um, I liked it, yeah. Squamish was cool, British Columbia, it's super beautiful. Was lucky enough to travel around it, like, did, did some. Various trips uh, up over to Vancouver Island, all around, kind of, and I really liked it. Canadians are very similar to Kiwis, um, mm. so I spent a little bit of time there. I never really lived there, like for a lengthy period, but I was there for like a few months in, a few months out, and I yeah. also had a really good friend, Greg Roebuck, who lived uh, down in Seattle, which was, uh, you know, probably only a two or three-hour car ride away, mm. car drive away. So I used to kind of bounce between. Depending on conditions and like filming commitments and that. And I didn't, en- I did enjoy Squamish, yeah, for sure. Like it gets a little bit, it can get a bit grey and that there, like because it's so coastal and that. But um, with that comes really good snow conditions. Mm. Um, so I-, I worked there a little bit for filming for various videos and that. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's tough work mm. snowmobiling, you know, to yeah. go out and grind and do that. It was tough, but it, w- it was a, r- a really rewarding way to-, to try to facilitate and to get. To get content, you know. Mm.
0: So speaking of videos of that time, it was a pretty big deal for us back here when we seen you had a part in Video Grass's Enlighten. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, I, I always thought Video Grass was kind of like urban rail dudes and stuff. Right. But you were doing big mountain shit. Like <laughs> how, how did the Video
1: Grass Connection. thing line up? Um, so, at the time, uh, a really good friend of mine who was uh who was the he was the team manager for monster energy based in the u.s i got in on monster probably a few years before uh in in new zealand through their um australian and new zealand connection which was cool that that started out my like relationship with them which i which i was very grateful for um a couple of years down the track um i became good friends with evan he came out here on a On a trip he was working for monster and we had him over for dinner and like we we rode, i took him to tc just on a down down we just like rode i think it was i don't remember and he was like dude i'm you know like i'm stoked on your snowboarding like you know like even just hanging out and like watching you ride the mountain like it's so cool like do you want to come and ride for us in the us i think he basically just said that like after dinner or like something like that he was like "Your, your contract with these guys is cool but like we can like take care of you kind of thing so I, again, was very honored with by that invitation. So he, he took care of me for a, quite a lengthy period, drew up a bunch of stuff, and was like, this is how it should probably work, you know, like, come over here, blah, blah, blah. Super cool, nice guy, really, like, down to earth, like, he's been in New Zealand a lot. So he, uh, as part of his job, you know, he obviously works in with, with media outlets and, like, facilitating getting his athletes in front of the right lenses and that. Yeah. So he was like, well, oh Jay, I think we're going to do some stuff with videographs this year. Like, you know, these guys have like, you know, I sent them through some of your stuff and like, they were like stoked, you know, they're not going to be hanging out in Quebec for the whole year filming these rails. Like they're actually like Brian Fox was like filming for them and like quite a few like ripping Brandon. like free riders and that yeah. heaps of like heaps of ripping Canadians. And I was like, dude, I'm. I'm honoured, like, I'll film for whatever, you know. Mm. He was like, so, you know, how are you, how are you placed? Like, what do you want to do? I said, well, I've, I think I've, I've already got a vehicle in the US and I've got a sno- an old snowmobile. And so he was like, dude, just, like, come over and, like, feel it out, you know, go out with the boys, see how it goes kind of thing. So, like, I think, like, my first few days, like, it's cool, you know. It can be intimidating when you're filming a video part because, like, nowadays... People don't really film video parts. It's all it's all like done by like hanging with your friends or like mm. going on like a location trip to do something. But but back then it was like a whole season condensed into like five minutes. So there was yeah. like there was uh, obligations with that. So any anyhow, yeah. The first few days I was like, cool. Hey, nice to meet you. Like yeah, everyone was like yeah, stoked to have you on board. It was cool. I already knew quite a few few of the boys through like mutual friends or like sharing a sponsor with them and that so Mm. um and like starting out filming like whenever you're going out a lot of the time you're just like either exploring or like going out and writing you know like if someone sees something cool yeah they might they might hit it or like prepare it and that but it's not like you're going out for the whole day just to watch some dude hit one jump you know like it's like snowboarding with your friends especially early season so i was down with that like i don't even think i really built any jumps that season because i said to the said to the guys you know like as as you do when you're nutting out what you want to do for the winter i was like i don't even really like cheese wedges but i'll hit one if one's built or if if someone wants to build one Mm. but i so they were like man that's great you want to snowboard like how you do fast like look at things hit it so people were stoked on that because it was like you know there wasn't a lot of setup they were like this kiwi's cool he he looks at something he sleds up there rides it he's he's got it done, you know, like, there's no, Mm. like, building a wedge for six hours, waiting for the weather, Mm. so they were, like, cool, this guy kind of gets it, you know, and it kind of just went from there, I I was more ears, to be honest, like, I was going out sledding with people that I looked up to, you know, like, Mm. and I wasn't even a very good snowmobile, half the time I was, like, getting stuck, like, but I didn't want (laughs) to hold people back, so, like, instead of asking for help, I would just figure out a way of, like, getting myself out, or, like, Getting to a situation where I could get there and then like not make an idiot myself on the snowmobile, so mm. primarily the snowmobile was just a, an access tool. And once I'd got in there, then I tried to let my snowboarding do the talking. So, and I think it did to a degree. Like I was, you know, people were stoked at the end of the season, and like I was getting invited to lots of stuff, and like mm. they were like, I don't know, my approach was was maybe appreciated because I, I wasn't I wasn't that vocal. But I was always happy to help if someone wanted something, and when yeah. I got my turn to shine, like I just went about my business. so mm. Yeah, it was right. cool looking back. Like it was half hard work snowmobiling, like doing that thing is is a tough grind. But mm. the the terrain out there and and what you can access and what you can achieve mm. trumps all of that. So I can yeah. see why those guys have sleds and and they work like that because mm. they're incredibly productive on a good day.
0: And um, I mean, I just mean when that part dropped, like it. Got a lot of people's attention. Oh, and, oh right. You know, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, like uh, like Torstein, it was the opening part, I think, wasn't it?
0: Torstein found out on the Ender in our workshop. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> fucking Torstein. Oh, yeah, that's oh, right. Shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was at Mount Baker, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. One of the guys I I rode with a lot of really cool people on that during that season, but one of them was a Norwegian guy, Danny Larson, I don't know if you know oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. an incredible artist. He's a fucking incredible snowboarder. So um we got along really good. He kind of picked up on my vibe, and I was like, "Man, I like you. You're cool." He he gets it, you know. Mm. So I ended up going to Baker quite a bit with him because um, he was riding for K2 at the time, which he mm. probably still does. And they had a team house in uh, Glacier, which is the town, just out of Baker. And he was like basically holed up by himself. He would go to Baker every day, look for a, a filmer or like try to like connect with someone who was going to work with him mm. uh, and Abby was with me at the time and I remember hitting him up he'd been like yeah such and such said you're like, you've like you been going good in Squamish why don't you come to Baker and like you can stay at the house so I drove my truck and slid down there and he was the only one there in this K2 house and I was like is it alright to stay he was like make yourself a home and Abby like we cooked every night and like we got along so good and every day we just rode Baker like with our filmer and we would like look for stuff like we had some tickets and like we'd go up the resort some days other days we'd hike off the side and like um it was cool yeah like filming it opened my eyes up to like you didn't necessarily have to like sled every day 100 miles to go and find something like Mm. you could go to a resort peek over a little cliff and be like boom i'm gonna hit that and it was cool i enjoyed that side of it because snowmobiling became expensive you know and like Mm. you have to use your connections when you're out there spending money yeah so yeah, sweet.
0: And while you were um, based in Squamish, what was um, what was was that moment where you beat Terrier and some border cuts <laughs> with a backside five? <laughs> was. Um, I mean, when me and Brent Screen watched that go down online, we we're just like, no fucking way. <laughs> right.
1: ah, that's funny you bring that up. So, so that was that same winter at the uh, at the very end of the season. Uh, it would have been shit it probably would have almost been may to be honest because the sledding and whistler and that is is really good right the way sort of through april because of the snow stays so cold and dry up high so uh it was the monster energy um event uh every year they had an event in in canada it was called the snow show i can't actually remember anyway yeah it was cool it was like a spin-off of the grenade games i think where they like get everyone together and they do like half a dozen events on whistler over the course of 10 days and it's cool it's basically just a massive party for that whole period Mm -hmm. uh and one of the one of the one of the events was called a border style which was cool it was like a it was a border cross course but with some freestyle features in it oh yeah? yeah and it was cool like at the end of the season i was pretty much done with filming um and i was probably about to go home and and, and even my team manager was like dude you should stay for the for the monster event it's like you know we'll put you up in this sick hotel on whistler like you know you're all taken care of like you know, don't feel any obligation, just like come out and ride with everyone if you feel like doing one of the events, like whatever. So I was like, All right, cool, yeah, I'll come up and finish my season and like, you know, it's cool, it's good networking, you know, you meet mm-hmm. people and like people you get to catch up, have a couple of drinks post post a busy winter and that, so it was mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and the border style was held one day, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even recall it that much, but I remember being like, Yeah, I'll come up, you know grab a coffee in the morning, go up the Gandhi, check out the course, like, it was cool, it was really cool, and then, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do it, let's do it, there's a few of us, Mark Solis was doing yeah. it, like, all the boys, I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it, put the bib on, and, like, I raced across from an early age, like, when I was young, I enjoyed cross. So I don't like the contact and the, the drop gate, but I enjoy, like, pumping rollers and, like, riding berms and, like, just trying to rip, you know, so, yeah. Long story short, yeah, it's like, shit, I ended up doing it right. Like, I get through, get through, and then they're like, right, semi-finals. Like, Will Jay, you got through. Like, this is against some pretty big names. Like, people are, like, having a good time, but people are taking it seriously. There's, like, five grand Canadian up for up for first place. So I'm like, cool, all right, semi's, like, cool. Like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, Will jay has got through against all these people, and, like, other people have bombed out, whatever. So, um... Yeah, ended up... Yeah, dropped gate straight through. I think I got the whole shot. So, can't remember. Anyway.
0: What was the feeling like when you're like, fuck, I'm against
2: Terrier?
1: That was in the final, oh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, got through to the semis and then it's like far out. I can't believe I got through to the final four like crazy. And, like, Canadians, like, they they rip, man. They're mm. really good on snowboards and they're good on everything. But, like, they're competitive, you know, when there's money on the line for something. Like, people... You know, you put your friendship out the door for for that initial bit, and you focus on what you're going to do. So, I, I still probably didn't think too much of it at the time because I never really thought I was a chance. You know, I was like, "Shit, my board's running all right today." With with him, yeah, I, I do do remember. Yeah, he got through. Obviously, I remember the day because he was he was there ripping. Like, you know, everyone remembers. It's like it's like yeah. the, the the Dalai Lama's like walking around. You know, it's not like you're going to ignore him or something. So. Mm. He was there. He got through. I don't remember who the other two were. They were either um, probably some other local professionals, snowboarders Mm -hmm. from Canada. Um, And I just remember getting the whole shot again. I don't know how. I think I got lane priority, or he might have got lane priority. And um, I just led for most of the contest, I think. And then on the very last kicker, I could feel that he was either very close or like, you know, I don't really look back when I'm trying to ride something yeah. like that. You just focus on what's in front. But I knew he was close. Like, I fucking knew he was close. Um, and then, yeah, as luck would have it, like, you had to spin over the jump mm. in order to get through. And he did a wildcat and just came up a tiny bit short. We hit the jump at the same time, I think. And I did a back five and went, like, quite deep and mm. just landed on my toe edge and just, like, carried it straight through to the finish line. <laughs> and he, like, he did a bat, He did a wildcat and just clipped the knuckle. And oh, like, right, right. it kind of washed him a little bit. He still got second but um i remember going through the finish line and there was like just a whole heap of all that all the crew just like tripping out like i was uh i barely even think i'd gotten back to my hotel that that night and the phone was just going from everyone like people i hadn't heard from like the team managers that never used to write back to me and like people who i'd never even heard from are ringing up being like no way <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it was it was pretty cool i don't really hold on to something like that it was a it was a fun event it yeah. wasn't like we were competing for anything of significance yeah but it is a pretty funny claim you know to be able to say that you put, put the greatest snowboarder well, in that, the world you know
0: that uh following season brent screen and i replaced your name on our phones with the guy that beat you. <laughs> lots
1: of people <laughs> well it's a sort little of like the bridge drop at snow park lots of people remember that and it was cool like I you know I'm not a competitive guy and I'm mm. definitely not competitive on a snowboard so I uh I'll, I'll take that one you know mm. like you know it was cool I won some money basically paid for my sled that blew up probably a few months earlier <laughs> and I might, might have even gotten a of it to take home so um it was cool and and that was also another like a lot of things that probably contributed to my snowboarding career and it's longevity you know like oh yeah he filmed a good part and he beat terrier we'll put him we'll sign him back up you know (laughs) so it probably it probably helped you know if you Mm. if you beat someone like that Mm. it kind of speaks volume
0: sick and speaking of terrier um you did a few trips with like aguchi and him and jamie lynn i'm guessing with the vulcan dudes and stuff yeah uh that
1: (laughs) Not so much with Harkin to be yeah, honest. Right. I I didn't really cross paths with him too much um, and, and hung out with him. Like yeah, he was an he was a team rider for Volcom, and, and he wore their their apparel and stuff like that. But I never really ran on in too many too many trips with him. Yeah, Gooch Gooch I certainly did. He's come to New Zealand a bunch. I think we might have even surfed together and and rode definitely rode Cadrona a bunch. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I went to Jackson Hole with Volcom, we. We got to know I got to know him a, a lot better and rode the mountain. I, I remember riding the chair with Giggy, Brian, and Jamie Lynn, which was cool. Holy three shit. Three of my like that's... three of my most favourite <laughs> snowboarders. Three of the probably the most influential snowboarders.
0: It's like a lot of people's dream chair. Yeah, it's a pretty like, good chair. Yeah. I don't
1: think I said a lot. I probably just sat in the corner and was like <laughs> should i say something or oh, maybe that won't sound good oh maybe uh, <laughs> maybe i'll just smile at jamie and try not to stuff up um so yeah we rode jackson uh for two or three days as those guys were there to play a gig and we were just filming material on the side of the resort so that was cool giggy i've traveled a lot with or, you know a little bit more with and uh that was kind of like my first time hanging out with jamie which was cool i can't say i got the chance to like connect uh too thoroughly but we Mm. certainly like chatted and like you know he reminisced on some of his trips to New Zealand and I told him I you know based in the Pacific Northwest and we kind of shared some stuff and Gooch like uh, you'd you'd struggle to find a nicer guy in the whole world than him he was he was like an absolute idol so to be able to follow him around Jackson is like was something I was was pretty stoked on even though you know we were just like hanging out shredding Mm. I was deep down kind of like whoa yeah reality check sort of have to pinch yourself a little like. bit yeah yeah and gigi you know he's the same like he's sort of like gooch he's very welcoming and like kind of humble and cool so it's like you feel like you're in pretty good at, at ease kind of company you know
0: i remember seeing pictures in alaska like you, did you do quite a few trips up to alaska as well um
1: yeah yeah i have i've i have yes i've been fortunate enough to have been there a few times actually yeah i think i've done four separate trips to alaska I've uh, been to Haynes twice. Uh, I've been to uh, Valdez once, yep. and I've also been to uh, a place called Cordova, which is um, a sort of a little bit lesser-known area in the in the south. Um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed every single one of the trips. Like as a snowboarder, especially a professional snowboarder, like wanting to ride what I was wanting to ride, um, Alaska was like the the holy grail the pinnacle right? yep for sure Right, like some of the you know the terrain there and like everything about the place is exactly as i expected well, and so some
0: who were you riding because i remember just being surprised like it's um just seeing like a random picture being published mm. to like a well in alaska like whoa i had no idea didn't know you were like, there <laughs> but, um were you who were the crew that you're riding with up there
1: Ah, uh, so on on various trips it varied like the first time i ever went there i went on a magazine trip and that was in valdez and i can't remember how it came about uh it was actually a guy called nick parada who is a a very synonymous name with professional snowboarding and snowboarding in alaska he was a big pioneer of a lot of that stuff up there he invited us up there to come and check out his part of the world which was in valdez thompson's pass mm-hmm. um so i was with greg at the time and he was like let's do it and we flew from uh, seattle to anchorage and hired an rv we just lived in an rv for like uh, eight days or something yeah certainly got to know greg really well i already knew him pretty well prior to that but mm. it was cool you know you throw yourself in an rv with the mate for a week <laughs> and you get to know them pretty good so we stayed on top at thompson's pass and then the initial uh, idea was to heli i think we'd had some sort of subsidized heli kind of deal going on to go there but alaska being alaska the the biggest factor is the weather so Mm. we rode a bit which was cool we did some catboarding, we hiked we didn't even end up going in the heli on that first trip which which was a little bit of a bum out for both of us because greg and i were like you know when you're going to alaska on a trip you know like that's all you're really thinking about like getting dropped off on a peak like what am i gonna do so so we did that and that was cool it was a bit of an eye-opener as to like what really goes on in AK you know like you go mm. up there for an extended period of time and I would say probably 80 or 90 percent of it is spent downtime you know mm. so it's tough like you have expectations when you go on those trips about what you want to do you know how you want to ride what you want to tick off but in reality you kind of have to wait and wait and wait there might be a window but then you wait and so it's tough you know it can be tough on them mm.
0: so I think um Dion was telling me about Sam Smoothie and I, I could I'll probably be corrected in the comments about um, sort of those down days, and he was in, in the hot tub, and he was like, "Got the call, like we got to go now." Yeah, and he was like, "It's gnarly." He's like riding gear over his boardies, doing lines of Alaska. yeah, yeah, Holy shit. yeah. It's
1: crazy. I, had, <laughs> I can I can relate to that to mm. that story of Sam's for sure. That was uh, in Haynes. Uh, sorry, the next time I went there, I went to a over with Harrow, who was the instigator of the world heli challenge i actually won that trip there and that was a heli trip that was cool we did like two days heli and we were there for a week and we checked out some resort and caught over that was actually really fun i didn't have any obligations i think my fears got paid and i didn't have to really do anything was that
0: from winning the heli i think it was yeah
1: so harrow had teed it up through his friends uh jessica and grant who own uh points north Mm -hmm. which another really good friend of mine tucker Patton, was working for at the time as a guide yeah. So he helped. He helped us out, and I went there with a uh, American girl, Jackie, who was super cool as well. She won the trip by the event as well, mm-hmm. and she ripped. And she we both like fed off each other really good. She was into lines and like wanted mm-hmm. to like you know not waste time, like just ride shit as it was. So that was in Cordova, and the, the next two times I was in um, Haynes. One of them was with Gigi, which was cool, yeah. and the other time I went with uh, Bodie Merrill of all people, Rare. which was cool. Both quite different types of trips i was in japan filming with riley and uh my team manager called up randomly and was like dude it looks like you're having the best time because i was updating him just with images and like riley would send me images or videos and i'd forward them over to him because as an athlete you know it's good to keep your your team in the game you know like mm. let them know what you're doing update them nothing's like getting leaked or anything but you're just kind of showing them what you've been doing what conditions you're doing so he called and was like, dude, Bodie is in Salt Lake City and he like he wants to come to Japan. Would you be, can he come and hang out? And yeah. I was like, this is like "Bodie that's in like Bodhi Merrill." He was like, yeah, man. He was like, "Bodie's ready to jump on the flight. I was like, fuck, sick, send him over. Like, mm. So um, he was cool. He came over with a good friend, Pat. He was his filmer and I had Riley filming me. So they were cool, man. They, they flew in. I didn't have to do too much. They stayed with us or we teed up some accommodation with them through holiday Nasuko, another really good friend of mine actually so Bodhi stayed with us for like 10 or 12 days in japan and we just scored it like i'd never met him but i was like man after the first day i was like this guy is so cool like he was such a nice guy abby might have even been there too and she was like man he's the nicest guy so he was like looking to me for like you know like uh, advice and like all that stuff but then he was just phenomenal when it came time to strap in so mm. it was really cool so then in in turn like a few months later after we'd finished Japan he was like dude would you would you be would you want to come to Haynes with me like we can like film it'll just be me and you like we'll go on the heli I didn't really think of it at the time but I think out of out of like um panic I was just like yes like woo yeah anything <laughs> So we stayed in touch, and he like he had a really good time in Japan. He goes back every year, and like drops me a line. He's like, "Yo, I'm in Hokkaido." So I went to Haines with him, uh, and we had the same thing. Probably two days out of a week where we flew, and it's tough. Like it can be, it can be tough. Like because you're only there for that period of time, and you have a very, very small window to capture what you want. A very small part of you is like, "Fuck, all right, well." I need, to, I need to put myself out there and ride hard off mm. the bat, which can be not the best approach in Alaska, eh? Like, mm. you've been sitting in the hot tub, you get the cool, and then you get flown up to a peak. Like, it's pretty hard to adjust to a right game on because, like, you don't know what the snow is doing, you know? Like, there's a lot of factors to take into account. So mm. it is tough, so that's always my kind of mindset. Like, we, we might do one or, like, a little run or however it works, but it's always nice to feel it out mm. instead of just, like, take me to the biggest peak yeah so I did that with Bodhi it was cool we, we had another friend of ours he was up there riding with us too and he kind of got hurt so that cut the, the trip short it was fine I, we had two days we shot from the heli mm. some of it got used in the US and like and then Gigi um, was the year after he had uh, I was riding for Slash I think and I I don't know if I saw him in Japan or something but I was um, coming back from Norway I'd been in Norway with Auntie. On a really, really cool trip. I've been on a couple of amazing trips with him. He, he was awesome to hang out with. And I was in the airport in, um, uh, in Oslo waiting for my flight, and he's Diggy he Skype saying, I just got the Hanes. Like, what are you up to? Like, you know, would you be keen to come and fill this seat? And it's me, Elias, uh, and their filmer, Flo, and Oli Gang Yong. Snowboarder magazine photographer and I was like, oh man, I've just been on a pretty big trip and I'm flying to Seattle tonight. He was like, dude, you can just get a connecting flight from Seattle to to Anchorage and then just catch this little Cessna up here. I was like, fuck it, okay. he was yeah. like there's a big high pressure coming, which you know a big high pressure can get squeezed down to a very small high pressure in Alaska, which it kind of did for us. But I was like, no worries. I was honoured to get the invite. So, anyhow." I flew to Seattle on you know, zero sleep, hung out there, and then the next day I flew straight up to Haynes, and mm. it was the same type of thing. I like I barely stepped off the little seaplane, and he was like, "Oh, we're on, like it's blue."
0: No, no sleep, no nothing. That's it's time to go. Yeah,
1: kind of thing, and it, it's like it takes a lot to get used to that that um, mentality and and that decision making of snowboarding because mm. I'm I don't know I'm the sort of guy that likes to. I don't know, I'll take my time in the morning, my mm. pants on, do some stretches, like, yeah, when yeah. I'm feeling good, I'll go. But up there, you're like, the heli's on standby, and, like, they're waiting all day in the clouds, and if there's a gap, they go for an hour, and mm. then they fly back. That's the reality of filming up there, and, mm. and that was something that was quite new to me, eh, with, with mm. going up there. But
0: So what was it like the first time you were <laughs> out of the heli, put on a peak in Alaska by yourself? Like, like, <laughs> um, is that one of those
1: things you're like fuck to the left of the rock, to the of the rock. <laughs> no i think it just comes back to like trusting yourself and why you're mm. even there in the first place like i kind of block all that stuff out and it's just like you're just doing another run on the mountain kind of thing mm. that's how you have to look at it otherwise you just you know you start overwhelming yourself and too many questions you know there's helis flying above you and stuff you it's it's easy to get distracted so For me, I just look at what I'm doing. I know my exit point in case anything goes wrong. And then I just focus about like making it look good and trying to keep things clean. So you've got a lot of
0: help in the background that the cameras don't
1: see if shit goes wrong. Um, The guide usually is on the ridge or on the valley floor, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Um, Yeah, there's help. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like, you know you're not getting babysitted out there yeah. you're up there as a professional athlete so the trust is within you yeah. when you're on those peaks you know you're you're there to make the right decision yourself mm. usually from the helicopter you, you'll pick something as a collective like as a crew mm. and say that zone looks good yeah let's go there from the ridge you know you'll work and be like oh well, Gigi liked the look at that i kind of think that looks cool you know so you'll kind of like work together because that's snowboarders and when you film you don't hit the same thing you're right because mm-hmm. So you're filming for something you want it to look different
0: so with with that in mind so say you're up there with Giggy and those dudes and they want to film something you want to film something else yeah so is the heli is everyone staged out of the bottom and they're like right it's Will's turn so we'll fly him up there by himself (coughs) to this or is Giggy and those dudes coming with you as well
1: it really depends to be honest it depends on the zone like a lot of the times, it'll depend on the conditions, where the snow is good, where the light's good. Mm-hmm. and you're. Most of the time with filming there, you either get dropped and the heli will go away to service other clients. Yep. Or if the other clients are busy working an area, then you'll have the heli for a certain amount of time. Budget is another one that plays into it in a massive way. Because yeah. once you start lifting that machine in the air, you know it, it becomes expensive then you start filming out of it that's like twice as expensive so a lot of the times you like to make things more economical you can get dropped on a zone as a crew and then you work your way down basically you know the filmers might go down the ridge and you'll be like boom 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 and then pull out to them and then you know you work your way down a bit more sometimes it's like a barbie angle which is shot from afar you know yeah and then other times if you if you're balling you you take the doors off and you film from the helicopter which That's I've mean. done a few times, so it all, it all depends, you know, like, communication is probably the most important um, aspect with, with going heli-skiing up there, or heli-skiing in general, you know. Yeah. Staying calm and, like, being able to move in a nice manner, and also, like, looking out for people, you know, like, looking out for your friends, like, trying to, trying to be productive, but mm. also not panic.
0: So, as a professional snowboarder, what would you say your biggest challenge was?
1: In Alaska? and snowboarding in in general
0: in in general Well, um, two parts with that Alaska and in general
1: (laughs) okay Uh, in Alaska the most challenging thing as a professional snowboarder Um, probably like um, putting things in perspective with like what you were wanting to achieve and then what you could achieve you know Mm. it's bloody hard like snowboarding up there in a helicopter because you'll see something and be like that looks awesome I'm up, and then you'll get dropped on it, and you're like, oh, that's way bigger than I thought. Should I have to change my plan here.
0: Everything's just giant. Yeah,
1: and it's mm. perspective, you know. Like, it might look different from the heli, mm. but then when you're on top, you're like, oh, it looks so different. Half the time it's smaller, half yeah. the time it's bigger. So I think, like, that's a challenge. And then also, like, just, uh like, it's tough, like, easing into it up there because, like I said, you know, you only have a short period of time to be constructive. Yes, yeah, so
0: there's no McDougall's run to the No,
1: but you have... Yeah. To you have to try and weigh up. All right, how do I how do I ease into this, but also make it look good, yeah. but then not go hell to the wall and get hurt, you know? Yeah. Because there's a very small window with like, you don't go to Alaska to like tiptoe your way down a face, you yeah. know? Like you go up there to try and ride as best as you can. Mm. So I think that part is is challenging up there, like going up there and just being able to read things and say, All right, this is mm. what's going to happen, and that comes with experience. Yeah um the biggest challenge as a snowboarder during my career or as a snowboarder in New Zealand um I think oh man there's probably like, a number of things but
0: yeah like say as if, if you want to make it as a pro snowboarder like what was the challenge what was the challenge that you felt like fuck right this is one uh, i not going to get over this? this is fuck if I'm gonna
1: oh, okay. make this work yeah like it sounds kind of lame to say it because we can't you know it's no fault of ours, but i think our location in new zealand is is tough to 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 market ourselves as you know international mm. athletes because our season's pretty short mm. and like we're all the way down here you know like the internet has changed things now with like how you can like put your content out and stuff but mm. when i was snowboarding you really you really needed to spend a huge if not large portion of your time abroad mm. you know so that was that was something that i learned pretty quickly like if i was going to have a good go at this i needed to be away from new zealand for like six months of the year probably mm. two or three in japan and another two in the u.s probably yeah yeah because that's where your profile is getting built like no one's flying out to new zealand to do something quickly and then flying back yeah. but people could nip around in north america and like nip to europe or whatever you know? yeah. so i think our location certainly doesn't help but one of the other things was like I think just that, you know, as Kiwis, it's hard to get that recognition because of who we are as a nation and 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 what we do down here. Like, um, Kiwis as a mindset, we're pretty we're pretty understated, you know, like even yeah. just talking to you, like I'd like to just keep a lid on things, I don't blow mm-hmm. it up too much and like, that's probably how we act when we're around, you know, yeah, yeah. in general, you know, like we don't hype ourselves up too much yeah, yeah. and that oh, can be nothing, hard. You know? yeah, 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 it's just a it's mellow kind of thing, but... And I think that can be detrimental when you're trying to um, market yourself to, to become an international athlete. So mm. I think that that's hard, you know, and we're learning as a nation and, and as athletes how to represent ourselves and, and what our value is. So mm. I think over time and, like, as we generate a bit more, uh, what would you say, momentum progression, you know, we, we'll start to understand the value of that we are just... Just as marketable, if not more valuable, mm. than some of these other guys. So.
0: I think Zoe's proving that point
1: <laughs> yeah, currently she, as we speak. Yeah, she's so. she's blowing it out of the water. So
0: mm. yeah. Well, actually, well, let's talk about that. Like, is there some current? What's What's your thoughts on the current state of one Is there riders currently that you're sort of hyped on or following or anything?
1: Yeah, big time. Like it's it's hard it's hard now being a a dad and like I don't have as much time as I used to before I became a parent you know like I used to geek out on everything nowadays I have to be a bit more selective as to when I choose to watch stuff and like how I follow it and and all yeah. that just because purely I've I don't have the, the time which is a bit lame to say but um yeah. oh man I, I'm yeah I think it's incredible I'm, I'm totally blown away with where it is and like with what people are doing with how they're representing snowboarding and like with where yeah. it, with where it's at you know like I I try to tune in and watch stuff as much as I can. Half the time because it's my friends doing it, mm-hmm. and the other half because I feel like getting inspired or because I want to stay relevant yeah. in snowboarding. eh? like just because yeah. I don't snowboard professionally anymore doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to still follow snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, that's I like I'm a snowboarder until I die, pretty much. That's
0: our DNA. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
1: So, um, I think it's in a good place. Yeah, like I don't, I haven't watched enough or like I'm not s- submerged in the industry enough to really know if like if everyone's tracking or like politically it's in a good spot like with the industry and like financially and all that but i certainly appreciate watching some snowboarders now like when, when people ride i'm like that's incredible like back yeah. when i was snowboarding like that you know like we were doing like half of that and it was yeah. cool you know now it's like wow yeah so yeah no i think it is yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm stoked to be able to show my kids that stuff like we watched zoe and all the all our friends compete in the natural selection you know lillian was like i can't believe you know everyone i'm like well i know most of them they're all like our friends in some way Mm. she thought that was really cool and i was i said like you know the world is so big there's so much out there snowboarding is just a very small portion of what Mm. of what's there you know and i was able to follow this path and I explained to her and she, she gets it, but she just, she just wants Jamie and Zoe to win everything. (laughs) She was like fanning out on Jamie. They love her. And and obviously Mm. they really love Zoe too. So yeah, I think it's in a good place, bro. Yeah, Mm. absolutely.
0: I mean, uh, I really like that, um, like Carlos Garcia night was like, um, getting you guys involved with his ruckus too. And then (laughs) you've got a couple of generations there with like him and JJ and then, yeah, yeah, and that
1: and. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. Like I, um, I've been very fortunate enough to become good friends with both of those guys, Mm. Um, and I'm very honoured that Carlos, you know, um, has chosen to take that path with being able to utilise my my knowledge of the area, and um, I think his snowboarding is a prime example of what I was just talking about like mm. and, and and as a person you know like you you couldn't get a nicer guy and to be able to have someone like him who's been so successful and will continue to become more successful um and having them so grounded is is just a really rewarding um attribute to have his yeah. parents should be incredibly proud as as mm. JJ should you know like both of mm. them are like they snowboard with such good style yeah. and I think that's what separates them from a lot of other snowboarders, you know, like, mm. I love watching snowboarding and anyone snowboarding down the mountain, I'm like, that guy's ripping, I'm like, mm. he's having fun, but I think when you watch those two, like, something about them, you know, like, it just, they, it just catches your eye.
0: I, th- I think it's like, those dudes that, well, those, there's those riders that just like, I want to do it like that, yep. sort of thing, right? And I think JJ and Carlos and Zoe as well, Yep, they all possess that, that little X factor, it speaks that to most writers. Kinda of like whenever you'd see a Jamie Lynn method in a video page, like, Oh my god, that's that's that. Oh if I could just do that for a day, you know. it's <laughs> it was like same with like Zoe's Wildcats or shit, JJ's methods or any of Carlos's spins, like, if I could just do that for a day. Yeah, it's very a refined day, don't you? Yeah. You know, like oh, oh, that would be know. the best thing ever.
2: Oh yeah. I know,
1: and I shouldn't limit it limit it to, to those boys and to Zoe and that. Like there is are phenomenal amount of talent in New Zealand mm. and, and abroad that are uh, that next generation coming through mm-hmm. and like they're yeah, sorry they're they're all um mm. they're all incredibly inspiring like to be able to watch them snowboard like it, it makes me feel pretty odd to be mm. honest Dave eh? but like um yeah it's cool it's really cool that they appreciate and understand where snowboarding comes well, from like I talked to Carlos half the time and he's like telling me you know stuff that's well beyond his years, and I'm like, how do you even know that stuff? And yeah, it's cool. It's refreshing, mm. you know.
0: Well, it was pretty mind blowing during this obsidian thing uh, that happened last winter. It was like I couldn't believe the amount of snow riding, both in ski and snowboard talent that we had in this country. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. there was, and then you got a whole. Um, There's a couple of generations there, probably about three generations, right? Because it was like the sam smoothie janina yourself generation then there was like the carlos jj zoe generation yeah and then i'm sure there was like
1: younger homies the younger ones too. coming up too and oh there was yeah mitchy devin do you know mitchy yeah devin? yeah <laughs> so he was in the other team sorry an opposing team than i was that i was on and I was, uh, I'm 20 years older than him and I was mm. competing against him. Yeah. He was 18 and I'm 38, so it was quite cool. Um, yeah, the event was, was awesome, man. I, I was quite taken back when the email came through to my inbox about being a part of it. I I don't, um, I would never really hold myself in that type of realm and, and think that I would be able to contribute something mm. to an event like that. So it was really cool. Like, it was nice to be able to... um. It was nice to be able to be a part of it, mm. but also to, like, you know, try to try to rip and, mm. and be there as a snowboarder. I wasn't there to, like, make up the numbers. I certainly hope I wasn't. And like mm. I said that to the guys at the event you know, afterwards and that, that I was, I was honoured. When the email came through, I was like, shit, they must have got the wrong guy. Or, like, <laughs> maybe this has been sent to the wrong person. <laughs> I replied back, they were like, no, 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 we want you. So, yeah, it was cool. It it was cool, like, I don't know. It makes you realise that as a snowboarder, no matter what age you are, you you can still contribute something, you know. Mm. And the event was primarily based around the park and that, but, like, when we went to the big mountains and, like, we filmed and that, like, I was able to have a little bit more of an impact and Mm. and it was cool,
0: I liked how, sort of, everyone, regardless of what they were riding, was, sort of, influenced by by each other. Like Yeah. there uh, There was just this moment, I think, Carlos put a video up of him following you yes. and it was like the caption like oh just trying to be like Will J. I was like, yeah uh, and then he's very the, kind and, there, and then yeah. one of the portiest boys one of the scares like comments would be like yeah aren't we all <laughs> like, that's fucking sick like to, uh, to sort of have that influence it's kind of cool now that you can
1: see like yeah, coming through, yeah, you know,
0: like because that wasn't the way in the 90s. Like, there's no way skiers were looking at snowboarders being like, Yeah, or vice versa. But now it's kind of like, Yeah, or
1: the younger gen yeah. weren't really like, I don't know, the older gen didn't really, uh, they weren't really that accommodating towards mm. the younger gen and vice was, versa, maybe. Yeah,
0: like now you sort of look at like Poyas boys, they get on snowboards and they rip. Same with the Wells boys, oh, and and boys. obviously, that that uh, sentence or the comment is like, rad. But then you know that there's probably some snow looking at like Sam smooth and Jess Hotter and Janine yeah Klismar I been, wish I could write a
1: line I like I that could do that. yeah yeah, and yeah.
0: it's kind of cool that shit's kind of being bridged a bit more now yeah I and, think you know
1: being in Wanaka and like having that event like we're all everyone's friends you know because mm. it's such a small town when yeah. you go to those events you're like I knew I mean I made some new friends during that event which I was mm. really really stoked on like I when I was asked to be a part of it I was Initially, probably a bit nervous because I, I haven't really competed on in anything like that for a long time. And plus, like you know, I'm I'm a little, quite a lot older than a lot of the guys doing it, and mm. my snowboarding career, uh, you know, I'm not really, I don't really push it that much anymore mm. in terms of myself. So. Um, I was so lucky like we got hooked up with the mean team Jossie was our captain obviously and then there's like Carlos who's ended up you know ended Mm. up becoming a really good friend and like heaps of rippers in there right? Mm. so I was stoked I met Craig Murray who's someone I really looked up to and thought he was an incredible athlete Margot um, Hackett who I was like man this chick is incredible she's like they're both all so grounded and like they had so much time for like me Mm. and I was thinking like shit I'm just gonna be like the guy that's like old and they don't even want to hang out with him but mm. they were like genuinely stoked and then obviously nico was in the team and like it was really cool Margot, like we we, we had a really good crew we ended up winning the event which was cool right. and, we, and timmy pierce toby and the 2 bearded men like they did the all the filming so it was a really special event like it was How cool. was that
0: Coronet Shred Day? Because Coronet's got great side hits, but it was a pretty tough season. It
1: was a little bit lean oh, yeah, on the right? snow, but we we lucked out. Good man, like we, with the nature of the event, I think every team was able to play a wild card or whatever mm. it was called. So, on the particular day that you played it, you were eligible for double the points, okay. whatever discipline. Like, and we did well. We did well in the big air. Like we won pretty much. The, all the disciplines mm. but we didn't play it because we were like oh all well, the boys and the girls that we're just hanging out having a few jumps mm. the next day was the extreme and we were like oh conditions are pretty bony maybe we won't play it then mm. uh, and then there was a rail jam I think and none of our team were like that confident on the rails like everyone still ribs, like all the mm. guys and that but then there was a bit of a feeling of like uh, mutual ground with the filming because mm. like we've got a, a pretty good like across the board crew and coronet peak yeah i hadn't been there for you know 15 years probably mm. so it was cool and we lucked out man because a lot of the the weather was epic so a lot of the other mountains tc remarks like they they had a heavy freeze you know mm. they barely even uh defrosted with there's coronet because it's quite low yeah we got there and it was firm but it, it softened pretty much mm. off the bat and like yeah the guys were, were, were into it like it's like what like ewan said it's just a skate park with snow like there's rollers and gullies everywhere. And I was really pleasantly surprised. I was refreshed after spending the day there. We caught mm. up with, like, I don't know, there's Miles Holden, Josh Clark, Sam Devall, all the cool, like, Queenstown Coronet crew. Like I mm. saw them all, and they were like, you guys are having a, so a ball, so it was so cool. So you
0: guys took down a few Coronet classics, like the
1: Oh Jesus, and yeah. I kind of stayed reasonably... Um, I don't know like I, I really enjoyed the day but like we, we had some heavy talent in our team that day yeah. so, and they were on a tear so I wasn't about yeah. to, to go out there and do anything that could like outdo them so I had a few things and like was there for morale support and like helped facilitate yeah. whatever. And it was cool, like, watching Craig ski, like, he's insane, like, Nico, Carlos, like, Margo, they were all so good.
0: Craig Murray's ender was fucking psycho. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That, that rock, I've gone up the chiller so many times being like, oh, imagine if, imagine if. And imagine if ever, it was
1: two foot of powder, then you yeah. hit it, maybe, yeah. Oh, I
0: don't know, not even, like. <laughs>
1: yeah, Craig was and, cool, and man.
0: He fucking stepped to it on, like, the most unpowder day possible.
1: Oh, he did it like, in the nicest <laughs> way, too, like, he, um, we were all kind of on the other side of the run just like clipping up getting some shots and like he just politely skied over and was like oh would you mind would you mind if i hit this cliff over here like i think there's quite a cool shot in it and like no one really knew like you know what he was vibing on but he's such man he's the nicest guy and so he was like, "Yeah, maybe I could set it up, and you guys could come over and like." So we nip down, go up the chair, and I see him like as we're going up the chair. He's standing on the takeoff of this rock, and it's like the rock, you know. It's like going up and looking at like the pinnacle of the mountain. There's a big rock like in the middle of the hill there. That... It's sick. Like the landing was was kind of there, but without knowing, like no one really knew. And Craig, like he's sick. He backed himself and was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go from here." He waited politely. He's super, super like humble, underspoken. Once everyone set up, he was just like Ew And then um, he just dropped Same. in, hit it once, like and just hit it perfectly. And like that basically summed up our day as a team. You know, like no one in our team was too cool to do anything, but we were all there to to help each other. And mm. and that's what that's why we played the wild card because we were feeling it. And mm. it ended up um paying off we won the event and we we put out a cool edit so rad yeah it was cool man yeah
0: it was cool man i was i was hyped when i heard that you guys had coronet. it's like oh side me too like me too some some guy was trying to tell me it's like oh yeah the team hit only one feature it's like nah bro if you you know Coronet, yeah you know that there's actually quite a few different features oh we stayed there
1: till like last year pretty much Mm -hmm. because there was such like the light was epic and like no one really wanted to go home there was like just hits everywhere we were the, the, as a mountain like I can't really you know I don't want to go and cross my line here with Cadrona and TC but they were they were incredibly accommodating eh mm. which was cool they knew we were there to work and they went out of their way to um, to uh, accommodate us mm. yeah it was cool
0: ah cool well, it kind of segues in pretty good to um, I want to talk to you about perspective of riding because um, mm-hmm. as we talked about before you've ridden Alaska lines. Alaska's no joke but yeah, when I've ridden with you at McDougal's, it's yep. probably been like some of the funnest riding I've done. How does that, how do you see that? Like you, if you're a, you're a dude that can handle Alaska and still have a great day riding on like a mellow slope, is it just grateful to be there sort of thing? Or?
1: Yeah, probably a little bit of that. I mean, um, snowboarding, uh, I don't know. It's not it's not everything to me, mm. to be honest. Like I, I was so lucky to be able to... to to carve out a career and a lifestyle out of it so for me going up on the mountain is like i'm not i'm not wanting to like achieve everything every time Mm. i go snowboarding eh? like when the conditions are good and i'm like working then then absolutely eh? yeah half the time most of the time i would say it's probably about going up taking a few laps getting in that mountain air like checking it out like just Mm. being up there like being away from the the norm you know getting out of town and and for me, that enjoyment stretches as far as as anywhere. Like like you say, from a peak in Alaska mm. to getting helping my daughter on the lunar slowback drone You know, it's yeah. all about like satisfaction and and also like um, what's the word? It's perspective. Was that the right word you used or perspective? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we're all we're all incredibly lucky at the end of the day as humans, especially. Now with everything going on in the world, yeah. like ooh, we were so lucky last winter to have a winter, and in this winter, I really hope we can have another good winter. So mm. I don't know. Maybe it's to do with my upbringing and to the fact that I can, I don't know, try and see the world in a, in that type mm. of light and to try and be a bit more wholesome and, and, as a person. But I don't know. Like you never, you should never like write something off when you can go up and have an enjoyable day. Like a basic yeah. run can be like all you need sometimes to to uh to switch your mindset or to create that positive energy
0: and so how did um we're going to rewind the tape a little bit but sort of segues in pretty good um the interpretation movie how did that all come about
1: um let's think how did that come about uh well timmy pierce has been a good friend of mine for a long time like we went to school together and um we were mates through throughout school and that he's a little bit younger than me um Uh, and then when he started to pursue filming and and media and that, he was really, really good at coming up on the mountain and doing what he did, you know. I did what I did, he did what he did and we were able to make a pretty cool product out of that. Mm. Um, I think it came about through probably both of our motivation, initially probably his to like get it going and to come up with the concept and all that. Mm. And then and then probably both of ours with where we wanted it to go, how it could play out. He's such a good guy and like he's become incredibly successful with what he does. So I think when he did that, he was like, look, Will Jay is a really good friend of mine. I know he's kind of under the radar. He probably could do with, you know, he probably has a platform where he wants to show his snowboarding. Why don't I like create this cool project where we can work on this together not only does it bring us like really close as friends, but it also gives us an opportunity to, to work together and to create this this piece. So, um I think it came about through a bit of that, like the fact that it was like it needs to be done, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Timmy approached me and I was absolutely on board. Um, we got a few other crew on board to help support it, which was cool. And it's challenging, like, to try and do that stuff in a a new zealand winter isn't easy you know because our winters are short and conditions can be variable one day they might be epic the next and then they might not be very good the next day so it's tough um and with his motivation and his knowledge uh, um and i guess combined with my i don't know ability and my motivation we were able to to create something um that was pretty unique i think it certainly reached a big platform and it won, a, it won some film awards, I think. Mm. And Generally
0: it, quite a bit of buzz. I remember seeing it on the news. It was, it was on the as news,
1: as yeah. It, it, got, it, re, it was on some yeah, news, mountain film festivals and different ones abroad as well. Mm. And I think that's a reflection of, I don't know, not not necessarily my snowboarding, but the masterpiece that he created. Eh? Like mm. For him to be able to tell a story like that and to reach a crowd and to pull those sorts of chords, you know, to hit people... Mm in the heart and that like people want to hear that and they want to watch that type of snowboarding as opposed to i don't know robotic like wizardry yeah yeah so i think it, it was appealing in that sense and they were like fuck will jay's you know he's going about it in his way and that's cool
0: mm. oh sweet yeah
1: maybe that, i don't know if that was the right answer but, but
0: dude it's sweet bro. yeah it really is so you and Abby have a business, Explore Wanaka um, snow, snow Tours, here in Japan. Yeah. Uh,
1: how did that come about? Um, let's think, it came about um, as a combination of, from, from both of us, as our motivation and wanting to try to stay active and involved in an industry that's given us pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, I probably realised that my snowboarding career wasn't going to be lasting forever. Mm. Yeah, which was, which was something I was pretty content with and i like, happy to, to roll with and I, I think I realised that my knowledge of these two places like I've been to Hokkaido 16 times and I've pretty much lived in Wanaka my whole life mm. um, so I realised I had a valuable asset in that, in that mm. I had knowledge on those two particular places which are both um, sought after snowboard destinations and ski yeah. destinations um, and I didn't really um have a career path outside of professional snowboarding, which was something that I probably should have been slightly smarter with when I was when I was younger, um, with setting myself up. But at the time snowboarding was everything to me, so I wanted to uh give it my all. And I hadn't really looked back and about like you know, what what do I fall back on in life and yeah. um so being a tour operator and starting Explore Wanaka was something that has been a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um and it's something that we're relatively new to, which is mm. which is exciting and also kinda of scary. There's a lot to learn with um being a small business owner. There's a lot to come up to speed with and a uh, mm. quite a bit to um to adjust to, um, which is good. We're we're pretty open minded but we also like to have our uh, have our goals and and things like that. So we started it probably two or three years ago um, by offering people experiences in the snow here, and also taking these guided trips mm. to Japan, which was something that's taken off pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and it's been exciting. We we don't necessarily cater to a specific market because we've enjoyed working in with um, professional snowboarders and film crews, mm. which has been cool. But then we also have enjoyed working in with uh, passionate snowboarders and people that enjoy snowboarding, not for a living, eh? So it's been good. There's a lot of film work here, and we were excited to try to tap into helping facilitate that with our business. Um, And it started to grow. Um, It grew quick, actually. It grew quicker than I thought, and we found ourselves becoming busy, which was good.
0: So the um, thing, I think, that put you guys on the map was... um being involved with Jamie Anderson's Japan project. Right, yeah. Uh, how did how did that all come about? Cuz um, I mean that's Jamie Anderson, you
1: know. Yeah, Jamie's a good friend of ours. Um she's been a good friend of myself and Abby's for a long time. Um she was a yeah, team rider. Came out here on an electric trip, I think, and we we just kind of hung out. She was really cool. So Jamie um came comes to New Zealand every year and she's about as nice a person as i think you could ever meet in snowboarding and in, in general mm. very wholesome a big heart passion just like and and just an incredible person and snowboarder mm. so she came to new zealand we hung out i think she ended up coming out for dinner and we, we you know she wanted to meet the kids and like she's cool she's very down to earth like she's one of the best snowboarders in the world but she makes so much time to to hang out as a friend mm. She knew we'd started the business and she lightly said when she was hanging out, oh, uh, man, I would love to come to Japan and do some filming. Mm. You know, would you potentially be interested or could could we get in on your schedule or something? And same thing, I was like, oh, Jamie, I don't know. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we stayed in touch um, over the, the lull of the shoulder season and then come sort of like November, December, she was starting to put into place her her um, itinerary with her film project mm. and she was asking for advice and like wanting to know like when you know when would be a good time and how we were placed in that so we gave her some options and, and she was so cool straight away she was on board she was like yep yeah, we're on I'll, I'll, I'll just you know I'll front it and I'll take care of it and um, you know I, c- I don't know exactly how it played out but we, we took care of most of most of everything mm. for her you know we were like there for pick up drop off we did all their accommodation and, and all of the guiding and that well I was mm. it was a busy two weeks so what there wasn't a day I wasn't with them throughout that period and it was cool like they were there primarily to work but they had an awesome time you know like mm. people like that they they get it you know they know how the world works they they're there for like they're there for a really good time mm. but they also know how to put their best foot forward when it comes time to work She the heavy crew with her too right she had a decent crew. Yeah, she brought her brother Joe over, who I became really good friends with. He did some um, what's it called? Follow filming on the side with his with his motion camera and that. Joey was really cool. Uh, she brought two riders with her. One of them was um, Yuka Fujimori, who's a professional burden rider based in Japan, and um, the other one was Jessica Kamara, who's Rad. also a professional snowboarder from squamish in british columbia um there was mike yoshida who I'm also really good friends with shout out mike hope you're listening uh, who's a snowboarder magazine staff photographer and then there was right. um sean aaron who's also an amazing cinematographer and i'd never met sean and i was taken back by him too he's a really nice guy oh, cool. he's um, a good friend of travis's and does a lot of work with travis so um there was a decent crew of us like six or seven of us and right. we mobbed around in the van and. Uh, it was great. Like, Jamie, you know, she facilitated the trip, but she also was very wholesome and just, like, put the trust in us to, like, mm. take care of her, eh? Which we did. And mm. every single day, I'd take them to a new zone to film. And every single day, they they just killed it. And it was cool. We'd, we'd mm. like usually wind it up by, like, having a beer or, like, we'd go for an onsen. Sometimes we'd go out mm. for dinner and, like, maybe we'd cook at their house. And it was cool. Mm. It was work for me, but it was it was like hanging out with a really really nice bunch of people which is kind of how mm. we've tried to base the business so ah,
0: cool and there's three solid riders there
1: yeah yuka and jess did well man mm. like it, it's tough in japan you know like you can go from any type of snowboarding environment to 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 hokkaido and you're like wow all right well there's a lot of powder here mm. um getting to somewhere can be a, a job in itself you know you've got to you snowshoe everywhere mm. and like It's not like it looks in the movies, you know, you don't just get dropped off on these beautiful faces. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, which is something that the general public don't get to see. So Mm. um, they did well. Yeah, Yuka was a breath of fresh air. She's a lovely girl, as is Jess. Like Mm. I've met Jess a few times and we shared the same sponsor in Monster. And we, you know, when I lived in Squamish, I think I bumped into her a little bit. And she was really cool. Like Jess Mm. is was someone I really enjoyed connecting with so um but Jamie like I can't thank her enough and, and say enough good praise about her we stay in touch even now I'm like we wrote to her when she was competing and writes back and like she wants to really keep supporting what we're doing so cool. we're very fortunate to have friends like that and um to have that continued support yeah.
0: Oh, sweet. And has there been a bunch of riders coming to New Zealand that you've worked with as well, or brands, or things like that?
1: Uh, there have been, yeah, there has have been through the snowboard industry, where Jamie was one of them as well. We went we went helling um, with Harris uh, two years ago, I think it was, just for some promo stuff, I think. Um, and then a little bit of stuff like that, yeah, we pick up a bit of work through various agencies wanting to do snowboard related work which is cool it's like a nice cool different branch out to what we would do Mm. um a lot of it is snow touring as well so taking guests out to show them the local resorts and and a bit of heli and taking Mm. them a little bit further afield which is cool because it's for me it's my backyard so it's what i know and what i've grown up with but for them it it potentially is a new place they've never skied so yeah it's cool man like we haven't had a bad experience yet and the business unfortunately with covert hasn't gone from strength to strength because it's taken a little bit of a taken a bit of a hit with that yeah but we were able to put it on idle and like and um we're, we're really stoked to keep focusing on it and hopefully in the next little while things can can turn back around with with maybe even being able to travel so there's
0: a couple of things i forgot to bring up and we're gonna sort of hark it back to the 90s here well, um
1: wanaka big ear wanaka big ear wow yep that's it's definitely going back to the late 90s probably. Late 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah early 2000s. Um, I only competed in a couple myself, which was really cool. But I definitely grew up watching them and being a part of the event. Uh, the first one I remember, we got the phone call to meet Harrow yep. down at the Dobin because his wife or partner at the time had a um, shop down there, which was the little cubicle there next to the Dobin. Uh, I met... Harrow there with Jar, Mitch Brown, I think there might have just been the three of us. Um, and Harrow was cool, he was like, yeah, you guys can hit the jump, here are some bibs, like, take care. I can't remember, eh, what it even, what he, you know, we were pretty young, he was like, do you want some beers? <laughs> nah, he probably didn't say that. Um, so yeah, the first, the first one I remember was in Lismore Park, which was... Um, which was cool. I remember it being intimidating as there were lots of good riders that were hitting it because it was all tied into the World Hurley Challenge. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who won that particular one. I do remember Sammy Duvall winning one with the front side nine, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Sam. He's the man. Um, and I think, yeah, I just hit it with Jar. I remember because he'd hit it a couple of times before previous years, I think. Mm. And I didn't do too much. I did a back three and a front three, I think. And that was it. But uh, that year, I think they had the quarter pipe, um, and then the stage, and the quarter pipe was made out of that sort of astro turf with a bit yeah. of PVC piping. And then the next year, um, I got invited to hit it as well, and the next year, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, I don't know if anyone will ever remember, or if you remember, but it was actually held out on... Um, hill end station which is at the end of the cadrona valley I road remember there. That one. Yeah, yeah yeah and it was classic the jump was cool it was kind of like it was different it was a little bit less intimidating i think mm. quentin robbins won that one did he win that with yeah. a back nine or something did he or? i think
0: so all i remember was his backside 180 being like that's the best backside 180 i've ever seen <laughs> it
1: probably like, was yeah and, yeah yeah still cool. to this day yeah, yeah i'll never forget that quite a few of us hit that duel hit it mm. tj hit it steve ferguson was there I remember we were lining up to do the um, ridgeo out there, you know, just to get our bibs and stuff. And Lefla, he, he he was had been invited to hit it too. Mm. We were just waiting in line, and he he walked up and was like, kind of walked in front of everyone, and we were like, "What's he doing?" He said, turned around and said, "No, no, I'm here to do the big ear," and like pushed in and grabbed his bib and Dill never never let him forget it he was like well what do you think we're all doing here and there was like a big line of 20 people all behind him <laughs> he might not have seen us in his defence so sorry but yeah it was certainly a pretty classic left arm moment when he was doing his under flips. but yeah that was a, that was cool that one had a quarter pipe at the end as well like mm. a proper quarter pipe
0: some legs was like shotgunning bears every drop in and shit too He's like, oh, he was there I yeah. forgot
1: him Steve yeah. Ferguson was doing back radios. Daniel Layden, I don't know if anyone remembers Dan Layden, but he was ripping too. He was, no, he was part crew at the time. Yeah, he, mm. was, he was mean, man. Dan Layden was one of the homies, and he was doing really well. Who else was there? Denny was there. Denny was pretty good at hitting the big mm. ears back then too. So it was a cool it was a cool crew. I remember um, Torah Bright won the girls with that's a backside right. three. Yeah, And I remember being like, that it was insane, Torah Bright just did a backside and three. And that's
0: the first time probably anyone actually heard the words Tora Bryant mm. like, who's this kid and see her drop in like oh fuck that's who she is <laughs> yeah. yeah it was
1: probably the first time that a female would spun off a big ear jump back then maybe Julian mm. might be able to correct me but I remember being like wow that was an impressive backside three
0: because mm. she, so. she would have been all of like 15 or 16 or something yeah
1: well I'm trying to think what age I would have been well, I would have been was, like maybe 18 I think maybe I was that.
0: 21 it was 2001
1: okay and how old are you now 41. 41, oh yeah, so mm. I'm three years behind you, and so, yeah, well, so were you 20. 18, so I was 15? No, no, so
0: I was oh, 21. Oh, cool, I was 18, yeah, Five. sorry, so my I'm bad, like my bad. 20 80. years ago. Yeah,
1: <laughs> crazy, <shit>. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it out there, They, it was cool, they had good bands at the...
0: Tim, your brother chucked a meme front rodeo, if I remember rightly, off that one. Yeah, oh, and, and he, floor. I think
1: he did some cool stuff on the quarter as well because i remember when the big ear finished people were just like standing on the knuckle sessioning the quarter Mm. and it was super cool Yeah, um yeah it was crazy like big ear jumps in town like with scaffold and hay bales and like you know banners and like bands Mm. and booze and that like they don't they don't really happen anymore so Mm. it was uh, it was a real special
0: tony harrington yeah yeah
1: like getting that stuff through think, the council nowadays is virtually impossible. So. I think
0: my favourite one was always my first one I went to, which was 99, my first season working for Cadrona. Oh, yep. And, uh, Liz was, Moore Park, was yeah, it? Yeah. I was, just remember just seeing Devin Walsh in the air, and they're like, oh, my God, that's the guy from the Shorties videos. Yeah, that's he right. He was, like, for him at the time. Yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, that's the dude from the Shorties videos. Holy shit. Yeah, I'll never
1: forget mm. that, too. Mm. Him and Chris Z were hitting the jump that year, right? Eh? Yeah. He did... Um, yeah he did a nice switchback one I remember in a cab 5 mm. yeah pretty impressive man to think that they could set that up in a park Yeah, I and know. it was all like you know now there's a frisbee golf course there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it was cool man the world heli challenge was, was pretty ahead of its time you know mm. for that for that event to still be, be a valid memory is
0: when uh, the World Heli Challenge got resurrected in the 2000s. You competed in it quite a few times, right? I did
1: a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. I, um, I don't know how I. Oh, I was riding for Ion at the time, which was a headwear camera, and yeah. they sponsored the event head to toe. And they were like, "Yeah, we we want you to do it." And I was like, "Yeah, this is a no-brainer. This is cool." Hero, I, I didn't have, I didn't really know that well. Because it was like ten years earlier when I would met him when he gave me mm-hmm. the invite to hit the, hit the big year in town. So um, when an event like that comes to town, you, you know, you got to be a part of it. People have put so much effort into it, and it was a good opportunity for uh, I don't know, for us to like go and like represent. Like we're mm-hmm. from here. Like an event comes here, you're not just gonna sit back. So it's cool, man.
0: I remember it was pretty rad one year. I think it might have been the year you won it, where it was like. The lineup was like dudes like Travis Rice, Quentin Robbins, Mikey bassett, Oh, that's I was right. like wow. That's gotta be. That would have been pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, what happened? Nah, no, fuck. I don't. I don't know. I disagree. I don't think I did that. Yeah, what happened? That oh, yeah, right. I can't remember. If something happened. It got cut short from their conditions or something. But yeah, it was really cool. Anyway, mm. Danny was here. Danny Kiwi was judging it and like. Q was ripping oh no I did I got second I think yeah right yeah I got second yeah and that's right I forgot that sorry yeah Mm. um yeah legendary parties that's the one thing I remember about the event and and obviously um Barrow's Tavern which was Mm. the the home of the very very first uh, big year which was cool to listen to Ewan's stories the other day like he was you know his podcast was dope he he was the judge and he had to sit on the the roof of yeah. the barrows entrance and try not to slip off
0: I was looking at that roof the other day it's after steep him talking man about that. Yeah. it's like there's no way he stayed on there though. no He's no like, oh.
1: his payment was a box of beer and he said that he drank that within the first hour or something <laughs> i was like yes that's cool that's that's what snowboarding was founded on wasn't it
0: Mm, i just remember and i need to find the picture and put it on the instagram page the picture of denny denny bevan doing the rodeo and he's he's like he's doing the rodeo and then the celtic station is underneath him yes like i remember that awesome yeah
1: i remember that one too i was just a grom when they had those events trying to like sneak in and get Mm. some free beer or something but yeah. Ollie Burke was really good at the at those World Halley Challenge big ears He used mm. to he used to charge man I remember watching him do back roadies and so was Aaron Jamieson Jamo I think. Mm. I don't know if he won one, but he definitely got second. He might have even won one. Yeah. He was certainly pretty good at them, so.
0: Well, AJ was sort of that for Fuck, he was like...
1: And I haven't mentioned him on the podcast, yeah, which like, I feel bad about because he's such a good guy and a good friend, you know. And he
0: was such a force to be reckoned with in snowboarding. And yeah. And he still rips now. He like, still rips now, yeah. yeah.
1: He's like, he's, you know, coaches up Cadrona and, like, he's an asset to, the, to that high-performance crew up there. Mm. Like, he's... His knowledge and his... Ability to help adapt to those guys is, like, something they don't even know how good, you know, they've mm. got it. So, JMO was, yeah, man, I was in was way ahead of its time, even for, you know. Mm. Even now, like, watching him, it's, like, far out. Some people would kill for that talent. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: kind of like what I we was saying before, Matt. Man, if I could just do that for a day, it would be, like, the be nice. best thing ever. Yeah, it must but. be nice. But, um, and speaking of Wanaka at that time, um... Dino Johnston was around with chop soon after and you yeah. um you had the privilege of being a chop rider for a
1: long time I oh, know how lucky am I I still have my uh I still have some apparel from Dean and Hayley like my, my chop 420 sweatshirt Sick. yeah which is hanging in my my cupboard I only bust that one out on special occasions <laughs> um so yeah no like I said similar to the Boardhouse, you know like a very um very cool core underground like crew you know same type of thing you know just very humbled to be brought on board and like to be supported by them I always I felt bad for Dean though like I I went through so many beanies because every time I'd go away overseas people would ask me for my job beanie and Mm. I just used to be like oh this is kind of my last one but you can have it you know and I used to give them away like I would wear them obviously and represent but they were very sought after on a world stage so I gave a lot of hats away and, and I think he probably was pretty proud at the time that his, his brand and Haley's brand well, it's was getting crazy that
0: It was just him and Haley doing this thing off their own back that became this massively sought after thing on the world stage. It was like,
1: awesome, man, yeah. And like, it's like it's a good testament to how hard they worked and like how good how good a people they are. Like they poured their heart and soul into like something unique and cool like that and, and mm. People like myself and like Drew and everyone, we were only more than happy to be a part of it and honoured to be a part of it. Like, mm. it's cool, man. The smaller brands like that, they they hold they hold cool value, mm. and it's special. Yeah. And there's a heavy squad backing them, mm. back then too, right? Yeah, the chop team was pretty badass. The chop washed up cup, remember that? Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was cool, man. I, I I'd forgotten how special it was to mm. to be a part of that. Um program you know mm. and I don't see Dean around that much or Haley that much these days just with the nature of it being a busy town and both mm. being young parents now like it's hard to get the time to connect with everyone so mm. yeah I hope they're doing well I know they're living in Harway which is just down the road and mm. yeah I'm sure I'm sure that's okay
0: funny you mentioned the Chop washed up cup I remember I was, the, must have been a washed up cup I was just kicking around riding snow park. I wasn't in it or anything and uh, i see seen Marcus Worley do like the most weirdest but psycho awesome backside one ever. Oh, yeah cool so like we're all hanging out and Dino the barbie guy is like oh you want a sausage he's like fuck yeah I want a sausage yeah dude you know and then Marcus I didn't even know who really I had an idea it was who it was but it was just this who's this random Australian dude and he was over at the quarter pipe oh yeah where the step up is but it wasn't the step up wasn't a thing yeah and he was busy fucking around shaping oh, he was some working. bump, yeah, right? Yeah, cool. And we're like, "Fucks this dude up to, right?" Because like that—that <laughs> that was a big fucking height difference from where we were, yeah. You know, to the top of the quarter or whatever. No, I remember it. And yeah. and he's like, "We're like, what? What's he doing? Settle like, down. Yeah. Where? Where? Where are you going with this?" Because it was just like literally like a fucking cookie like it's yeah, just right. this sn- lump of snow <laughs> and then he hikes up to the bottom bottom of the super pipe or maybe into the super pipe about like mm. we're like there's no way he's what no no way oh, oh, like oh. is he seriously and he straps in and pins it down hits this bump he's made yeah and fucking it was almost like a wally backside 180 ups over to the fucking platform of the quarter and we're just Damn. like did that actually just happen and then he fucking comes back down he's like yeah that's how you make a sketchy jump
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was always he was always the first person to take the piss out of himself man mm. that's why he's so cool man
0: but we're just in disbelief <laughs> eh? Hey, like well how did you just do that like <laughs> yeah no nah, he's, yeah.
1: he's a phenomenal snowboarder, eh? he, mm. I um I was fortunate enough to get to know Willie at a pretty young age. One of the first Volcom trips I went on was to the North Island with him and the rest of our crew, which was which was pretty sweet. We went to Mount Ruapehu, stayed there for a week and shot. It was cool. We ended up getting some cool stuff and Yeah, like he was like you're talking about Jar being the original Grom. Like he was like he was the original Aussie Grom. Like mm. I don't know a huge amount about his early his background and his upbringing and all that. But with snowboarding, I know that he was... He was thrust into it pretty quick and like, at a young age. And, like, he was fucking good, man. Like, he mm-hmm. could ride everything. And yeah. he came over and competed at the Heli Challenge. And, like, he's travelled extensively, man. He, um... Yeah, we were... I was lucky. We were, we were teammates at Volcom and we shared a lot of good mutual friends. So we spent a bit of time on the road. road and, like, he was always an entertaining character to have around, you know. Really mm-hmm. good, like good skateboarder like plays the guitar like just knows sort of like I don't know knows what to do Like eh? Aussies like some Aussies are just so cool man they just mm. they just get it eh, when it comes to like you know living life and that and he's a good example of one of those eh? just good. but he's a Kiwi now so we'll, we'll take him yeah yeah he's a, a Arrowtown resident yeah, yeah yeah. new How homeowner heller into biking mmm he's pretty handy at whatever he turns his hand to so yeah okay. yeah he's got some good stories i remember when did Dill tell you when we were at the battle about his brawl no what oh, no no brawl. he didn't it was a friendly brawl i think but it was pretty crazy <laughs> a friendly I, brawl uh, i think it was like it was it was up in rick's granson which is like the sort of like the home of snowboarding for the for Sweden you know it's like in the very far north where Ingmar did his backside it was cool man the battle was held up there one year and it was really really cool it's a sick event and on the opening night I think we get there like everyone's kind of mingling like it's a riders meeting and then there's like a welcome ceremony with like a feast and like a barbie and like people are having a few beers and that and Marcus and uh, Mickey Alban like a, a must be quite good friends, you know. Like they're mm-hmm. well acquainted, and he was there riding in the event too for the for the Swiss team, I think, or the Austrian team. I don't remember where he's from exactly, but he. I can't remember how it all worked. There was like a bonfire outside, and him and Worley just started like having like a play fight, like a rumble, just as everyone was like hanging out, having a few beers and that. And the next thing you know, this. This rumble, like, turns into, like, a, a, a reasonably physical, like, a mini brawl, kind of, between the two of them. Oh, and there's, like, a circle around them, almost like a pit. And I remember being like, holy shit, That one of the boys like to deal with someone? Being like, Fire out, is anyone going to break this up? And um, it kind of just played out because they're good mates and they were, it was a good even... Mm. kind of scrap and I was like damn well he's got him and then it was like vice versa <laughs> pretty gnarly and then I just remember him like coming up once it kind of diffused after people were like alright 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 they both like stood up and like they were like he was bleeding like profusely from like both nostrils he <laughs> had like mm. a cut eye I think and like I was like holy shit this is my first day at the battle and there's been like a full on brawl That's straight yeah yeah a full <laughs> battle <laughs> So yeah, that was, it was pretty cool then he woke up the next day and like just went and ripped the course. so <laughs> that's just what you did back then. <laughs> Holy shit, Marcus.
0: Mm. Oh, we're well, <clears throat> close to wrapping this up. Um, our IT tech wanted me to ask this one, so
1: what's snowboarding done for you? Oh, your .IT. tech knows how to ask the real hard questions,. he, yeah, yeah. she. Hey, she um what's it done for me man it's done everything i would say i would i can't even really imagine my life eh, if i if i hadn't had pursued and followed my dream of becoming a professional snowboarder it's um it's certainly helped me travel the world extensively which is something that i'm eternally grateful for um it's helped me like see the world in a different way you know as a traveler and as a new zealander i feel like i'm open-minded grateful you know like courteous and like understanding people's cultures and backgrounds and, and just like I don't know I'm kind of humbled to even be a human on this on this earth it's helped me it's helped me set my family up create a family for mm. starters which has been really cool um, I would have never envisioned or probably thought in a million years that I could ever own a home through snowboarding so yeah. it's been really cool to be able to have a you know, stand put my stake in the ground and be like, Yeah, this is our home. And this is what snowboarding has bought us and like it's come through a lot of hard work and, you know, some trials, tribulations and that, but it's it's been good. It's probably just taught me, um just to be to be a good person, to be a good human being, you know. Yeah. Just to like look out for people and to be a nice guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to become too big. Snowboarding is such a small part of what is really out there in the world so yeah it's just a tiny portion of what people do and what people what people pursue and what they go through so it's probably taught me about about like appreciating that and appreciating what we have so yeah it's taught me to become a good person
0: oh sweet well before we get into our stock enders uh have you got any thanks or shout outs
1: yeah i haven't really prepared for this one at all like i haven't done any (laughs) homework for this podcast (laughs) But naturally I can't, naturally I can't come on here and like not give praise to people that have helped, so, um, you know, like there's so many people to thank, I wouldn't even really know where to start to be honest, like my parents would, would be at the top of the list because of the the lifestyle and the upbringing that they created for me with what I had when I was a youngster and like even moving to Wanaka to to pursue his career at the school, like it enabled me to live this outdoor lifestyle now. Mm-hmm which is now something I've passed down to my kids. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm thankful for both of my siblings, you know, for their mm. support as well, which has been cool, you know. Like, it's been cool to be able to be a part of a family and to have that that sort of support from both of your siblings as to what you were doing, you know. Yeah. It wasn't your typical route to take as a as a as a youngster coming out of Wanaka like you know professional snowboarding no one was really looking at trying to achieve it so Mm. something I probably took a bit of a risk in like wanting to do but you know it's it's kind of paid off which is cool Mm. um so many people from the early days of when I snowboarded like I don't even know where to start like I hitched a ride with so many people that stopped and gave me a ride or people that gave me time Mm. I've slept on a lot of couches over the years, you know, being a a transient traveler and, like, people that have hooked me up with anything, advice, Mm. a lift pass, a a ride, a beer. Mm. It's, like, all of those people, eh? Like, um, people in the U.S., people in Japan, Mm. people in Canada and Aussie. So many people have helped me all throughout. Like, all of my sponsors that I had through my career, even from when I was a youngster you know starting at the woodhouse all that crew that that sort of showed me the way without even really knowing it they were like this is how you do it and i was so young i didn't really know the full spectrum of how how to work life and snowboarding back then Mm. so yeah all that all that burden crew back in new zealand like they really kicked things off and then over to volcom in australia and then into the u.s like all that crew they were so welcoming as a as an athlete and as a team rider and then moving on to like with dvs uh and then monster energy as well also very helpful electric i rode for and then cadrona and that have also been really really good mm. and you're still
0: riding for cadrona now i am
1: something? yeah i Amazing. just drove through town then to get something to eat and i saw my image plastered on their bloody shop window so it makes me feel even more humble today. Eh? Sweet. Um, all of those people hey, that have helped me, like my wife, she supported me in what it, what I'm, you know, what I've chosen to do with my career. Mm. Um, they, my kids, you know, they probably look at me like I'm a bit crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully they understand one day that I've tried to support them and provide for them. Mm. Um, so many people overseas, like. It's hard to get into names exactly, but... I'm sure most of those guys and girls know who they are. Hopefully, a lot of filmers, a lot of photographers, a lot of good friends, people that I've been fortunate enough to make connections with, people that helped me, and then hopefully in return I've been able to help them back. Um, And then just, yeah, I think I probably covered most of them, but I don't know, I'm just just very grateful for the life that snowboarding's created, so... If I can ever repay anyone that's listening that has helped me, come out to New Zealand and you can sleep on the couch.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, it's time for stock enders. Um, talk as long as you want about each thing. It's <laughs> totally fine. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: favorite rider. Favorite snowboarder. Yep. Ever. Ever. Yep. Um. Oh.
0: Yeah, we come out swinging with the hard ones, eh?
1: Yeah, do you ever. I thought we were wrapping this thing up. <laughs> um, oh, hard to know, man. Terrier probably jumps out as the first initial snowboarder who is, like, favourite snowboarder. Yeah. Um, um, Gigi yeah. would be a close second. Um, phew, Terrier, Gigi. Craig Kelly. Mm. Kind of hard to go past either of those three. Yeah. I mean, Travis Rice was probably... The, technically the best snowboarder in the world yeah and as well as bodie would be my maybe a close second but i think in terms of my favorite snowboarder it probably has to go with terrier just because i grew up watching him and he was the one that snowboarded with the most fluid style and he had the best method
0: such an iconic pro for that for a
2: general
1: yeah i know that maybe everyone that's come into this room for this podcast probably said him but Mm. you know he's he's the best for a reason and he'll have a pretty long legacy mm-hmm. favourite mountain favourite mountain yeah like resort either you, you oh. <laughs> well, oh we can go, we can no. go one resort
0: one backcountry
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh let's think far out I there's a lot of good mountains out there in the world far out I've ridden a lot of them eh? mm. but there's no place like home so I'd have to say Cadrena probably Swayze. Triple clone probably a, a very close second. Yeah, yep. where it all started. That's right. Pretty hard to go past Gadrona. They've done so much for me and my family, so it's the least I can do by mm. mentioning them.
0: Favourite board.
1: Favourite snowboard? Yeah. Oof. Um Far out. Um Favourite board I've ever snowboarded on? Yeah, was well, just... Um Shit. Um, I've gone through a few boards over the years, um, oh there's a lot to choose on, mm. um, well, well, I must admit when I first started riding for Burden I really enjoyed a lot of their boards, Yeah. so the Seven jumps out initially because their shape was so advanced for back then, mm. I really really liked the Seven, 61, 58, rode all of their Sevens all the way through, um, Burden Custom pretty hard to go past that as a mm. snowboard i probably the longest standing shape design that's been around mm. custom would be right up there um shit it's pretty hard i've ridden a voles asmo the no board in japan that was mm. really fun to snowboard on even though it's not technically a snowboard. It's more of a no board. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Uh, in my later years, I've enjoyed riding some of the canoes, which have been good. And then naturally, I can't go past riding some of the slashes. Um, mm. So it's hard to know if I have a favorite snowboard. Mm. Oh, um, dude, the Burden Custom was the board that I probably snowboarded the most on throughout my early career. And that probably helped me develop into a better snowboarder. Mm. So the burden custom was probably a snowboard that I couldn't go past. Sweet. Yeah. Uh,
0: favorite video part?
1: Favorite video part? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, wow, man, these are tough, man. Where does this, <laughs> Where does this list even end? <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Uh, favorite video, subject, Harkinson, pretty good video. Right. Like, back in the day, watched it a lot. It, it like, means a lot to a lot of people. It eh? does. Like Terrier was like that was the benchmark for like that type of era and I think it would still pretty much stack up today. Mm. Um I would say that would be right up there. Um I really enjoyed a lot of Giggy's parts with um Absinthe films over the years. Oh. He had a lot of really, really good parts. Uh um like how, saturation, all those sorts of one.
0: Um of was more part.
1: Yeah, really good. More, that's the part where... I think it's pretty hard to go past any of his video parts, even Mm. going back to the sort of um, Mm. Destroyer-type era. um, Let's think. I I don't know if I'd be able to honestly say and answer that honestly by saying I had a favourite part, because a lot of them were really, Mm. really, really good. Um, I liked it. And someone who I haven't really mentioned tonight is today is is Devin, like, I really, really watched all of, all of his parts, mm. growing up, and he was kind of like Giggy, he was somebody who I wanted to snowboard, like, even though I don't mm. look, or physically sort of, look anything like him, yeah. I think he made it look good.
0: But he was, on top of his game for so long. Oh, he was amazing. Was I was like, th- you watch his part in Shorty's, a young Brown Walsh, which is yeah. like '97 or something. Oh,
1: I've seen that a few times. It and it's pretty still sick. Still good to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, he was like switch methods back then and switch backside threes, and then, mm. yeah, he he had an amazing career. I sometimes feel like he doesn't he didn't quite get the recognition he deserved, even though he did very mm. well at a snowboarding. I really, really enjoyed all of his parts, mm. but then I, you know, you can't you can't not go past someone like Travis. You know he he puts a whole m- movie together with his snowboarding you know like his yeah. snowboarding he's you know he's the best snowboarder in the world has been along for a long period for that length of time like he's mm. insane like he's really really good so it's a hard one to answer I would say yeah Subject Harkinson followed mm. closely by some of Giggy's parts Rare. over the years yeah
0: um favourite gig favourite gig mm.
1: oh like music gig yeah, if you, um far out I'm not a huge I'm not a huge party dude but I'd definitely enjoy listening to live music and going to gigs um since I've been in New Zealand the last few years I've been lucky enough to take in some live music up at mm. the Coromandel and that um far out I'm trying to think I went to a, I went to a no effects concert bad religion no effects which was really cool um, say. yeah when they came to New Zealand <laughs> um I feel like old school punk is a bit of a dying a dying trend now like it doesn't mm. it doesn't get listened to as much even though I really enjoy it I went to them at the Auckland town hall and it was a wild night
0: nice. super fun pretty
1: raw a bit um, of 90s nostalgia there yeah it was cool man yeah other than that I haven't had the opportunity to take in too much live music like I would love to you know see like Led Zepp like Metallica like all time sort of classic mm. bands that don't tour to New Zealand Um, and having said that I think New Zealand is coming out with some amazing music at the moment Mm. obviously it's hard to go past um, Shapeshifter with with, um, Digsy and Sam like they've Mm. become quite good friends and like went to them this summer they kindly gave us some backstage passes to one of their gigs and that was really fun oh sweet Um, every time they play or they're locally playing it's nice to get along and support them Went to them up the Cadrona Valley, and that was an awesome night. Right. Um, so, hard to know how, that, how to answer that one, sorry. <laughs> I do like live gigs. Uh, since we've had the kids, I haven't had the chance to, to get to them that much. Yeah. But I've been to a few punk shows before that, and, and like I said, some New Zealand music. Sometimes it's nice going to, um, like who did we go to last year? We went to some stuff at the... Corriglene Tavern Marco Road was mm. one of them and Shapeshifter um, yeah all of that LAB kind of New Zealand yeah. music it's quite cool it's nice to listen to have a couple of beers and get in the mood so anything that's playing locally I'm down for me yeah favourite city favourite city oh far out Man, I've lived in Wanaka for over 30 years. I don't even really go to the city. Sweet. <laughs> I do go to cities when I travel because you have to fly under them. Mm. Um, let's think. I, I enjoy Dunedin because I've got some good friends there now and the waves have always been kind to me. Mm. Um, I don't get there enough, which is the only thing, um, even though I was just there the other day for the cricket, which was a really good game, and we won and got to play some golf, which was cool. Mm. so I really like Dunedin Um, I enjoy the waves there going to the Hydro Surf shop and getting out having a paddle when the surf's good Um, over the uh, over the years that I've travelled I've probably spent um, a large amount of my time in Sapporo which is the northernmost city of Japan and I really like it there I'm based out of there quite a bit there's good ski fields there and it's accessible to get to um, as well so I really like Sapporo it's got a nice feel, it's the right size, it's always laden with powder, mm. snow, um, but then Dunedin's just down the road for when the conditions are good, so. Mm. Yeah, That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Favourite board graphic? Favourite board graphic? Um, I should have read these before I came in, I would have been able <laughs> to answer them a bit quicker. Um, a lot of the Burden ones obviously are, are pretty cool, dating back for a long time. Going to the Twins, right the way through to the balances, mm. the, the Mickey, the Sevens, like with the Crow, everything. Um Walcom, obviously, their ones were pretty surreal, yeah. unique, hard to go past them. The Terrier had the Dagger, I've got one of them at home, which I'm very lucky to have. Slop yeah. that for a jacket thanks Rowan um, <laughs> yeah oh. I think you got the better
0: deal on that one did his jacket blow out did it or <laughs> I don't know
1: but you got a dagger boy, oh, so. yeah, no <laughs> nah, the jacket was sweet it was a nice mm. puppy um, hard to go past that let's think for a bit I, yeah <sighs> Kuro is pretty nice too it's nice to pay tribute to the some of the New Zealand ones Um, I did like the 7 with the skull the very first one they so. did yeah mm. haven't been able to find that um i never actually had that board i just rode it so um that's a hard one to answer sorry i don't know maybe the dagger just because it's so synonymous with watching terrier snowboard and wanting to yeah. ride like that and uh, sort of emulate him mm. so that might be in there sorry it's a that, bit cliche be... and everyone might say that one no i think only ollie burke has so oh yeah ollie burke's got a good taste so yeah, he yeah. knows what's up yeah <laughs> Uh best method. The best method? Mm. Oh far out. These don't get any easier. There's a <laughs> lot of good methods out there. Yeah. Oh Um There's a lot that there's a lot that come to mind. I, I don't know how to answer this one. I mean it's pretty hard to go past and I I was gonna say this but Julianne was pretty quick. Cool with saying that Craig Kelly had it, had the best one because he definitely does. Yeah. If not the best, very close to the best. Um, and I feel like sometimes he gets overlooked because mm. he was so ahead of his time. Um, his method, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um Terrier's was obviously incredible because he, you know, not only could do it in the pipe, but he could also do it on a lot of different really terrain. <laughs> um, and then... Far out, it's hard man, that's a hard one Now, eh? there's a lot of new guys that have good methods, Ben Ferguson Danny Davis um, far out, there's some sick chicks that have good methods as well mm. yeah, it's hard. that's a really hard one to answer, eh? sorry, I mean it's hard to not yeah. go past Terry A and Greg Kelly again mm. um, purely because they put their methods out there for the world to see Nicholas Mueller had a very good method, I don't know if he's been Selected as, mm. as up there with the people that have uh, you've interviewed. But um, sorry, that's hard to n- oh, no, narrow dude. that one down. I would say <laughs> any of those five that I've just mentioned. Sweet. Sorry, that's <laughs> very broad.
0: Final, final bonus
1: question. Yes. What's the key to a good method? What's the key to a good method? Mm. Um, <laughs> shit. You really do ask the hard questions, don't <laughs> you? Um... Shit, I have to think about this there. There could be a lot of method, method uh, listening people out there that might critique this. Mm. Um, I think it's about, oh that's hard, there's a lot, there's a lot. Um, you've obviously got to it's got to be kicked out, you know, you've got to kick it out with that back leg. Um, it depends on where you grab in front of the binding, behind the binding. So those are very important ones. The right arm, Probably has to be extended somewhat, I'd say. Um, and then the takeoff's pretty key, you've gotta pop you've gotta pop it. You can't just float. I mean you can float a nice method, but it's nice to have some it's nice to have a bit of a twang and pop in it, so I would say key to the good method is the poke out. You gotta you've gotta got it's in the tweak. It's yeah. all in the tweak. You can float a nice one, but if it doesn't have that conviction to it, then it's just another method
0: yeah mean well thank you so much for your time will and we'll talk soon
1: thanks tony yeah it's good to be here thank you slide it